Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Min Max Show podcast, place about games, friends, and getting better. Thank you for being here. My name is Ben Hansen, and I'm delighted, just delighted on this very episode to be joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hey, I'm wearing a very stupid Akira shirt for the video <laughs> viewers. Look at this thing. Video viewers, yeah. I understand if you are losing your mind in the comments right now. Just If it's just <laughs> chaos and you're just banging on your keyboard, totally warranted because of Kyle's Akira shirt, which is... It's a very stupid shirt, but I'm excited to wear unless, it. Thank you for having unless me. you think it's cool. Right. Oh, yeah, then it's cool. That's right. Uh, we're also joined by Leo Vader. Mamma Mia. That's right. We're joined by Jacob Geller. Here for a short time only. That's right. Welcome, everybody. This is a very exciting episode of the MinMax Show podcast. First of all... If you're here saying can't wait for those sweet, sweet Final Fantasy 16 state of play discussions, uh, not on this episode, buddy, and not on your life. Uh, so we're <laughs> recording this before we watch that, but we have a live reaction on MinMax's YouTube channel with Sarah Pazorski and I. So if you want to hear Sarah and I geek out while watching a bunch of Final Fantasy 16 discussion, you can go to YouTube.com slash MinMax. There's two ends of MinMax. Thank you so much. Uh, we are here to talk about The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, the final trailer for that. Then we're going to be joining... Final pre launch trailer it's oh because like dlc so yeah, have like 40 post launch trailers yes. that makes sense yeah uh then we're gonna swap jacob geller for janet garcia uh he's just gonna do the classic face pull off like mission impossible jg for a jg that's right and then we're gonna talk about <laughs> chia we're gonna check in overall about chia uh we're gonna be talking about immortals of avium kyle the new EA published game that'll be coming out in July, damn it. Uh, then we're going to be talking about Meet Your Maker. Then there's a <clears throat> an RTS you play with your keyboard <clears throat> that's called Touch Type Tail that we'll be talking about. Uh, some surprises here and there. Tron Identity, Vampire the Masquerade, Blood Hunt, that can't be right. And then back after the show, we have some great questions from the community. And we're excited to be joined by Steven Spawn from Able Gamers, the chief operations officer there to talk about Able Gamers' first annual gala and to talk about accessibility in games in general. And just being overall delight. That is Steven's role. So look forward to that in the back half of the show. Uh, speaking of absolute delight, skyrockets in flight, literally, with this trailer. Um, Kyle, we just did a live reaction to the Zelda trailer, to the Tears of the Kingdom trailer. But I'm curious, you know, since you weren't in that room, uh, what was your big read for the the final pre-release trailer for this thing? Uh, oh, okay. Big read. Like, it's really mere moments after I've watched it. Right, uh, right. It was great to see Ganondorf. It's a great trailer. Like an awesome, like, of course, like the trailer leading into release is fantastic and exciting. And the soundtrack was cool. There's a lot oh more music. There's, it's oh very, it was like jazzy Zelda music, which blew me away. The thing that made me like, because I, I streamed it with Game Informer. And I think the weird, weirdly, the thing that gave me the biggest reaction was the horse-drawn carriage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really? So. I, was, I don't know what it was. I was just like, whoa, of course you could do that. That's wild. As a man who wrote the book on Zelda and is obsessed with the Zelda timeline, the thing that makes you pop the hardest is a little carriage with some NPCs riding in the back of it. Well, uh, yeah, which was surprised me as well. The yeah. thing about like the timeline stuff is like, which you know some people think is stupid but i really love uh to sort of embrace and, and acknowledge it. it's like a lot of that I, I will discover while i'm playing the game and get excited about during yeah. the game you know uh, right now it's all just conjecture of like where everything is and what it means totally i i man rewatching this thing again it's like is this is this a hall of fame trailer like it really is effective and it's almost like cheating just to make the second mission impossible reference you know like every time they have a new mission impossible movie and they play the theme in the trailer always gets me pumped and like it just it feels like cheating to just have a bombastic 
beautiful version of the Zelda theme at the end of this just to really cap it all off. But like the music in this trailer brought it to another level and it didn't really it overcame the voice acting. <laughs> <laughs> really? You don't think you were uh, fully on board Link. for your more Zelda and like Yeah, you know it, it's it doesn't not... it doesn't pull the total experience down ultimately, but it is like a weak part of the game in the trailer, I think. Yeah. And you know what I, I think it yeah it, you could coast with the music like that. It could potentially be cheating, but this trailer was not cheating. It had like it had meat for everybody looking for a bunch of distinct things, be that story or weird new mechanics or new locations or teases of dungeons. Like yeah. this was just packed in a real crowd pleaser. Yeah, and just like the messaging again, Anuma getting out there before the trailer, um, just for a little little preamble, and it just I'm such a sucker for the way they're framing it and his wording of like, yeah, this is an open world where you're going to be using your imagination to the fullest and roll the trailers. Like, how often is that the messaging of like, you need to rely on your imagination for this game, and it's not a, a Mario Maker or a Meteor Maker or anything. Yeah, it's not. Homemaker. It's not the kind of like. Play the way you want. There are four <laughs> skill trees and you can pick one of them to go down. You know? it's right. Like, it's like it's actually a world where you are going to be able to do some wild stuff. And just seeing like a couple bits of the mechanics that are like, OK, I'm so glad they're just teasing a little bit more of like having the enemy lob the big thing at you. You see them using rewind time to lob it back. And then also Jacob Geller, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Link is just driving a mech um, at some point in the trailer. Yeah, Link, Link is a mech driver now. It, <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom is an Evangelion game. <laughs> I also I love that mech. The arm is just kind of like chopping. That's, it's like oh, yeah, I mean, it looks like a battle bot. It looks yes, like you know, yes. when you just put a big hammer on it. Yeah, we were Which talking is like, about great. It's like, yeah, if I'm going to be in charge of building it, that's it's probably going to be something stupid like that, you know? Yeah. Right. And I just I know that that is going to inspire me for just the wild creativity of building something that big this giant mech thing that i can use to go up against the enemies but then also it'll make me laugh because it'll be a little bit jank but in a very loving way you're going up against just a bunch of bokoblins on top of a rock monster and you just have a giant refrigerator with a stupid t-rex I arm think it was an xbox around. series x and you're oh, that's really right. exposed on the top you're not protected at all <laughs> smart smart uh, yeah. uh, can I say the the thing that I was most excited about rewatching that I didn't catch in our our reaction? Yeah, uh, that scene where Link is flying down the like laser tunnel. Right. Uh, yeah, he has a wingsuit on. <laughs> like it's not. It's not. He's not holding a glider. He has a wingsuit. Oh yeah. my god! I'm scrubbing through it now because I want to see what you're talking scrub, about. Scrub, 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 rub a dub. That scrub, sounds scrub. great. Um, yeah, there's so many little details that I missed. Like the obvious thing, and maybe. I know this is sacrilegious. I understand that. You can cast me to the bowels of Nintendo hell. I'm not a big like Zelda dungeon guy. But then realizing like, oh, okay, this is finally, it seems like confirmation that there's going to be dungeons. Like there's so many large interior spaces with, it looks like just a lot of complex, weird contraptions. And so I saw Reddit was losing their minds about like, basically dungeons confirmed, finally. Now I can pre-order this game. They were all saying... I hope some of those were shrines because I feel like mm. one of the biggest change I, changes I would want is more variety in shrines. That's if they had what more unique saying. mechanics like that, that'd be awesome. What I was thinking was looking at, like just looking at kind of the sky boxes that they were showing with all those things in there. I think you can see clusters of islands that are basically like i don't know exactly how they're going to do shrines but there are definitely islands that it's like this looks like a little obstacle course or like this looks like a kind of where it'll be the same size experience as a shrine where it'll be like okay jump from these three islands and you know make a flying machine to get across to the fourth one 
in a way that feels like the same kind of little puzzle satisfaction of a shrine in Breath of the Wild. Right. Yeah, it is interesting that they guys haven't shown that. I wonder if they're splitting the difference of having like 20 mega shrines, which are kind of going to be dungeons, but I think people will be bummed out by that. I think people want elaborate, like multi-hour dungeons. That's what the yeah. core of the fan base wants, at least. They also, they they highlighted sacred tears a lot, like Zelda was holding a sacred tear from Skyward mm. Sword in her hand. Right, right. And you collected those in these sort of obstacle, not obstacle, but like sprints in Skyward Sword. And I wonder if there's going to be like a variation of that, like to what Jacob's talking about, where you have to get from point A to point B very quickly to collect these things or something. Yeah. What do you think yeah. about the Zelda stuff? There's a lot of Zelda in this trailer. She's got her cool short hair. She wants Link to come and find her, even though she's like standing there. Teardrop tattoos. Right, yeah. right. I mean, she looks cool. I, I, it, there were a couple parts where I, I thought they were going to cut almost to her being playable. I know. Like just the way it was framed and stuff. Stop. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's enough. It's I never going to happen. Look, we, we played as her in Hyrule Warriors. Both the Hyrule Warriors you could play as her. Were you not satisfied? You have <laughs> Smash Nintendo Brothers. has heard your feedback and they're ignoring it like all other feedback they received. <laughs> yeah. But it is one of those things where it's like, love Zelda, love Zelda's characterization and design in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. I'm excited to hang out with her again in Tears of the Kingdom. But like in terms of like, like kind of what I was saying earlier is like a lot of that's a lot of that enjoyment is going to come from playing the game and seeing her role. Like here, it's hard for me to really draw too much of what's happening. Right. Right. Uh, There was, um, there was a line at the end of the trailer that we were kind of, or Ben, you called out as being like weird where she was like, come find me. Yeah. Um, and watching it, there's a big, there's one shot where there's a big, like a Lapita esque cloud in the sky that looks like it's kind of surrounded by like hurricane winds and Mm. i was kind of wondering like oh is part of the story gonna be like zelda's on this like inaccessible island and you need to like i don't know build up your power or something so you can like get through the hurricane to get to the island that she's Mm. being kept on talking about that and about like shrine of flying obstacle courses and stuff i do wonder how they're gonna balance it so they don't have the old uh watchdogs legion problem of having a flying drone solve everything for you. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is interesting, too, that they, they well, showed, because like... Because they've got that, like, battery power, right? Yep, yep. Uh, so that's yeah, going to be a big right. limiter. But I was interested to see just, like, you know, I'm worried about hassles of, like, okay, it's cool that we have the sky world and the ground world, but navigating between those two, is that going to be a pain in the ass? You're like, oh, I got to get up, or I fell off, how do I get back up? And it's nice they showed another avenue, which they teased before, that there would be those of just... Link holding onto a giant cartoon rocket from Acme and it like shooting That's straight amazing, up to yeah. get up yeah. there. Like, oh, God. so taking the rocket straight up and then just like using the glider to go down an island. That, that already sounds just delightful. Uh, a lot of like bosses, a lot of like big set piece shots in here that are really interesting. Uh, you know, Reddit was freaking out about the three headed dragon. It's like, oh, is that? Apparently his name is Gleok from like the original Zelda and stuff in there. So yeah, he was in another trailer. He's like on a bridge. That's right. That's earlier. right. Okay. But yeah, it is. It is exciting to see that. Um, like you know, a deep, deep callback to to original NES Zelda. Yeah, for sure. Uh, mine carts. Um, if you like carts, this is really the trailer for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. something I noticed about the mine carts, it was you fighting or Link fighting an enemy each on a mine cart. And both minecarts were fused together with that goo. Yep. The way that oh, we kind it? of assumed the horse-drawn carriage was crafted by you, it might not be. There might just be things in the environment are put together 
like that, which also means they can be them. taken apart into their little parts if you want to, which I think is a really interesting gameplay. Movie. Right, right. Yeah, sure. there was one of those kind of there was like a big what looked like a boss like robot kind of getting out of a you know, like a recessed part of a wall. Mm. And and it was it definitely seems like, OK, Link's going to be able to kind of like make primitive robots and also he's going to be fighting things powered by like the same energy you know like right, that goo right. is going to be doing a lot in the game yeah was it with that weird death star thing in the sky it's just like a giant stone eyeball with a hole well, I in think, it i think that's one of the like obstacle courses. okay yeah, yeah i yeah. think you're gonna see that and you're gonna go in there and it'll be like turning around and you'll have to do a platforming challenge or something in it yeah right, god right. even it just like- timing to like get into the hole as it's rotating the right way skydive into it such a cool idea yeah it almost looks like Man, I'm kind of looking back at it again. Like there was maybe water, like in that Death Star, but man, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> they did have they did have floating globules of water that you could like jump into. Yeah, I yeah. love that. And also, it's like those weird anti grav platforms that he was jumping across too. Um, and yeah, then I, I did, the it, shot right before the Death Star. There, I noticed in the rewatch that he parries with a sword with a shield fused <laughs> to the yes. yes perfect That's a pokemon reference i think i think it was yeah um the other big thing is like companions this is the one the trailer where they're trying to emphasize like hey we got a lot of heroes and champions still around um anything stand out for you there kyle well it's funny i was uh, we i watched it with game former brian shane i watched it and we were scrubbing through it <clears throat> as you do and they had a shot of a bunch of people standing on a hill yeah, that kind of flew past. And when I went back and like slowed it down to look at it, I, my reaction to it was like, all these characters are like they have like buckets on their head and they're kind of unremarkable. And I was like, I think you're going to just be taking a lot of fodder into battles. <laughs> you're just going <laughs> to lose. <laughs> like you'll have the champions that are immortal, but then you'll have like just Hylians that are just yeah, they will not make it. <laughs> if that's kind of your Terry town where you've like built up this neighborhood and then they're like, all right, we're ready to join you. And they're all just normal people. I like that you have just grimacing yeah. like, uh, maybe you, I should take this one by myself. <laughs> you're just loading up weirdos from the town into the back of your cart and putting a bucket on their head and then ferrying them to the battle and dropping yeah, them off and yeah. then going back. I mean, were there were there any parts of Breath of the Wild where just in the world you had an npc fighting alongside you because like there's a shot of link yeah. and sidon both just like smacking someone and i was like i don't think that happened you know you like ride on his back for one of the boss battles but he's never just like out there doing combat i don't it's, think like it seems like you could just have an ai person with you like yeah. fighting maybe um but yeah you're right that that was not the case in Breath of the Wild. No. There's also as far just as that, I can remember. There's a weird ambient shot in the beginning too, which just shows one of those new enemies on one of the um, Sky Islands, Skylands, whatever the hell they call them. Um, and he's just like by himself chopping the tree. And it's like again, I know this is in the weeds, but it's like that type of just like little weird bit of ambience in the world that I'm so excited for. It's like yeah, I want to see what these weirdos are doing up there all day. Well, there's there's a line where where Ganondorf because uh, he's in this trailer oh, right. is like. Uh, he's like, you know, the come you're going to witness the birth of my new world. And so I feel like a lot of the, I don't know, sky world or like things lifting out or whatever are going to be him kind of trying to like crash some new reality or change this new reality into something that he wants. 
And so that little like axe chopping guy was like, oh, maybe they're good. And then he like turns them evil, mm. you know, like maybe they're mm. kind of like benign robots, but then they get corrupted by by Ganondorf somehow. So it's like they're the like Ganados out in the world or something. Oh, sure. But like he's chopping down the tree and then you get up there and it's like and then he like brings the axe to you and throws it at your That's head right. and you have to dodge it. I get it. Um, also, there's that weird flying pirate ship, which I'm very excited to see what that whole thing's about. Uh, there's like a bunch of those. Shot. Yeah. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Anything else? Anybody wants to get off their chest other than uh, Hubba Hubba? It just feels easy to make an interesting trailer out of a game that is like uh, trying to be interesting mechanically. <laughs> I think a lot of games struggle because they're not very interesting, but it's actually the trailer becomes quite easy. Right, right. It's not starting it out with the world, the lore of blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, just look at all this wild stuff you can do. Uh, we've made yeah. a hell of a sandbox here. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hey, Jacob Gallagher, thank you for joining. Uh, delightful as always. Um, anything you want to point people towards? Uh, hey, I got a new video coming out uh, t- today on Patreon and Nebula and tomorrow for everyone else. So check Sweet. that out. All right. Cool. You want to clap out, dude? Bye. Hello, Dana Garcia. Hi. Welcome to the big show. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, we got so much more to talk about. It's not all just this Tears of the Kingdom nonsense because we have a game that uh, we've been meaning to check back in on in a while. And some would say it's the perfect appetizer before you jump into Tears of the Kingdom. It's a game called Chia, T-C-H-I-A. Uh, PlayStation and uh, Epic, all that fun stuff on PC. Um, but this is a game that we talked about during the GDC episode. And so it's like, oh, technically we've talked about it, but I feel bad. I feel inner guilt pouring out of my ears because Leo Vader in particular, my read on it from 30,000 feet was you were red hot on this game and you haven't had a chance to talk about Chia yet. Is that is that a correct read, Your Honor? Yeah, and I haven't accepted your apology yet for okay. not letting me talk about it. Okay, all right. Well, hold out, hold out. Uh, Janet, you are platinuming Chia, is that right? Yeah, Jesus I'm Christ. working on it. Okay, awesome. And then Kyle, you reviewed it at Game Informer or you just beat it? Yeah. Jeez. I beat it and reviewed it, yeah. Okay, I, everyone's I on top of it. it. Oh my God, on Pen to Pixels? Yeah. Sweet. All right. There's a lot that we can get to. I'm uh, chapter six in Chia. So like just like five to six hours in. But I just went back to it last it night. Like halfway, I think. I'm trying to see how many chapters Yeah, there's are. 10 chapters overall. Who knows okay. about the length and stuff. But um, yeah, this is the game that's uh, very Breath of the Wild inspired uh, where you can run around and you Zol jump into animals and you can control animals and rocks and coconuts and uh, everything fun in a little exploration game. Uh, ifs and buts ifs and buts everything like that uh leo what do you what do you love about it man just jump in the car and floor it it's a delightful game yeah it feels so good to move around and it's so self-driven in what you're doing so often i'll like pass trinkets in the world because it's like well i'm on my way to do something that seems fun like this diving board challenge i'm gonna be back through this area later i don't need to like do everything you know, you're kind of making your own path through the world like that, and it makes it a rewarding process by having you not be marked on the map and having to, to do a little more intentional navigation than you're used to doing. Going yeah. Going actual landmarks and your compass and stuff. That's really satisfying to me. That is that weird thing of, yeah, your character isn't on the map. If you're in the boat, you can see the boat moving, and you can see, like, you know, waypoints and stuff like that. But it is an interesting thing of, like, you can still – you still effectively do, like, the State of Decay tower climb to – uh, observe your surroundings and see what's around you and stuff. Except at this point, it's just going up to a cliff and just yelling chi off the top of the cliff, which is like somehow even that is satisfying. Like going back to this game in particular, it's like, God, I forgot how sweet it is to just 
transform into a rock, roll down a hill, go off a big jump, and then switch the little leaf glider, float on down, take over something else. It's just like when you get in those flows of navigating this world, nothing better. Yeah, I mean, I I I really like it. It's uh, and it's funny because the weird thing about it is almost any complaint you can like levy against it is your response can kind of be like, well, you can just skip that. Right. <laughs> it's like, I don't like setting those things on fire. Eh, you don't really have to do that. I don't like this section. There's literally an option that says skip gameplay section. <laughs> like in yeah. the menu, you know, it's so what? And even like when cool. you boot it up for the first time, it's like, you can do, you can jump to any chapter out of the gate. It's just so nice to be in this new era of game where it's just like, I hey, just play the way yeah. you want to play. We recommend it this way. But if you want to jump right to the last chapter, I guess you can, there are spoilers, obviously, but it's like alone it. in the dark. 2008 of course a point of reference for all of us but yeah i i love just <laughs> running around with like a bird in my pocket and being like oh i gotta get over there let me let me pull a bird out of my pocket and turn into a bird and then fly in that direction it really like leo said it's very much self-directed and just like yeah go go after whatever you want to go after and it works well yeah and it's like it would be a satisfying game if there wasn't even like the transformation aspect, I think just like running around the world, jumping off stuff, floating around, sailing in the world, like that's all great. And then you put on this kind of, I don't know, you know, we talked about it before. It's like, oh, it feels at times like a little bit of an immersive sim just because it's such a play box or like a sandbox style game. And like, even without that, I think it'd be compelling. Then you add the ability of turning into all these things. Like, Jenna, are you red hot on this thing? Where are you at? Uh, I enjoy it. I wouldn't say I'm red hot on it. I think it's really enjoyable and I recommend it to everybody, but it's not um, as fire as I had hoped in some regards. Okay. Um, I think it just gets a little bit repetitive and plays it a little too safe for its own good. I think it introduces a really incredible tool set that is underutilized in the main campaign. Um, that being said, it's it's just a delight to go around and like hang out in the space. And I think yeah. it is the coziest collectathon that I've played in recent memory. Like, obviously, it is following that very classic formula of if you want, you know, you can go here and you pick up a trinket or you can go and, you know, do the camps that Kyle was referring to with the lighting the enemies on fire. Or you can do the diving boards that Leo mentioned. You don't need to do any of that, but it's the way it's set up. It's so simple and appealing to just check those boxes and go up there. There's an, an ease of traversal through. I kind of disagree with you on the it doesn't even almost need the capture mechanic. I think the capture mechanic is very much the secret sauce of this game because yeah. it's just fun to do. And I think what's so nice about Chia is that it provides so many opportunities for comfort and enjoyment and creativity for the sake of creativity. Um, I had a moment the other day where I was, you know, I'm still unlocking things because I didn't 100% it. So I'm getting one of the things you can do in this game is uh, play your ukulele and you kind of have these like magical songs. Again, very Zelda. Um, the first one you get is changing the time of day, but you right. have other ones you can unlock. And I finally unlocked the one that I got oddly enough in the preview, but not my main game where you can make um, a platform spring just appear out of nowhere. And hmm. I did that and I'm like, I wonder if I turn into a boar, if I can just yeet myself across the <laughs> island and you can. And it's like, you know, do you end up really ever needing that? Is there like an exciting, exciting use case for it? I would say no, but it is still fun to do. And it's cool to mess around with what are the different ways you can get around. And I think there is a little bit of space for some creativity and things like I had been like launching myself into these enemies while like I was talking to Greg about the other day and he's like oh I just become a log and I just roll around I'm like oh yeah why have I never done that like this entire game so I do think there are little pockets where you see 
that differentiation, but I wish there was a bit more of those stories coming out of uh, these play experiences with Chia. I think creativity is the key word there for me. It really enables you to have like a personal journey with the game, like taking the time to put on a scuba gear and diving mask before taking your boat out to do like a bunch of pearl diving stuff at once. And wait, does that let you stay underwater longer? No, it's just cute. Oh, okay. No, but it's like it's like. <laughs> I was like, wait, did I miss own, like a very important mechanic? Like your own like head cannon for it. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Actually, that's that's you're in the wrong headspace, Kyle. I, I, I wish like, you could also ch- like set outfits in this game too, because I love too. to have like my. I'm like, oh, now I'm a little cowboy, you know. But you know, I, it's immortalized in the photo mode, which it's so interesting that the photo mode is a physical camera and you have to develop the photos. For some reason, something about that made me engage with it more than I ever have a photo mode in a game. That process of mm -hmm. like picking a filter you like, wait excitingly like waiting to see how it turns out and then marking it as a favorite. (laughs) And I have like all these pictures I've taken that I'm proud of from like the moment I did the rock balancing mini game and never dropped a single rock. I took a po- photo of myself next to it to memorialize that moment. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I guess because like it all takes place in world. You're not exiting the game, so to speak, and going into a menu, right? It's like Chia is taking the photos, not the player, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, and I love like, just, like those types of small interactions, even just like, okay, to open the secret area, to be able to stay transformed for longer, you need to like carve out of wood the exact tiki face to match that door. And just that idea of like slowly carving this piece of wood one at a time is so satisfying. Or like, you know, the music, like we talked about last time, there is, this is one of those musical games ever. There's just so many little musical breaks. It's like, oh, you're going to be playing, you're going to be clapping along, playing with, uh, you know, palm fronds, stuff like that, different instruments all over the place. But no harm done. You're not going to hit a fail state. It's like you can play along, you can autoplay it, whatever. But it just sets this mood of just uh, island creativity, if I may be so bold. I also I love the music, but I have turned it off and started listening to my own playlists during it. And that's yeah. been a really great vibe. Like a collectathon, you kind of think, well, it'd be great to play with a podcast. And it's totally you can like that. But the vibe wasn't quite a match for me. I really mm. like listening to music and really getting immersed like that. And, you know... You don't at all have to be high to enjoy this game, but I would not be doing my due diligence as a reporter if I did not say that it was the perfect game to play while high. The best one ever invented. (laughs) Wow. Better than Resident Evil 4 Remake? (laughs) Yes. All right. You're the expert. Leo, have you played Dreams? Uh, Play it now, by the way. Play it right now. (laughs) Please jump in there. Uh, Did you beat this thing, Leo? Not yet. Okay. Chipping away at it, taking my sweet old time. Nice. You uh, I do. I, I do want to shout out this. I'm not going to spoil anything, but like, I also do like the story because it gets like weird and yeah, dark sometimes. Yeah. Like, there's one early part which I'm sure you guys will know exactly what I'm talking about, where my daughter was watching over my shoulder, and she was like, "Should I be watching you play this? This like <laughs> seems She's like so maybe too much." I love that I that's her reaction, not just. <laughs> stun silence but right. is this like a uh, villain a reveal or is it a chicken reveal what are you, what are you working with there a baby ah yes okay related incident <laughs> right, yes, right. That, um when that scene happened i literally um recorded it and then i had to call isaiah over and i'm like you gotta watch this thing. <laughs> i awesome. promise you they take it to a level for no reason um which i i don't know it's it is oddly charming Yes. And interesting and you know like without spoiling it too yeah. you know kyle i know you've also beat it but where it even even though i wasn't in love with the mechanical 
endings of the game, I was like, this is some weirdo content. And yeah. I did re- like really enjoy how <laughs> odd the last, I think, like act of this game is too. Like it's very creative. I'm excited for that. I yeah, the the not having you marked on the map thing from the first minute of the game had me go like, oh, they're they're doing what they want to do with this. And right. I automatically love it for that. Yeah, you know, we had an interview with uh Phil, the uh director on MinMax's channel. Um and he was talking about that idea of like, yeah, there wasn't any focus testing. We weren't really getting feedback. It's really, it feels like a pretty pure thing for like, we're making just this weird open world game and launching into the world and whatever, like it or don't. It's like, it's kind of a, a great attitude to see because it just results in such a charming game, which uh, maybe that's too condescending of a term to slap around to all these different types of games. But then just, yeah, and it's weird and odd and lumpy in, I would say, a charming way. Yeah, Lumpy. for sure. Like mashed potatoes. <laughs> That's right. It's exactly <laughs> like mashed potatoes. The last thing I want to say about it is just like, there's this flip mechanic. You can front flip, back flip, spin yeah. whenever yeah. you want. And it's so fun to like get good at that. I practiced it. And now I just reliably can like wall jump off a tree and do a back flip and land it. Or flip <laughs> between gliders and land on a tree and then jump off it that way. Yeah. And there's little things like that that make the flow state better. And the... The fact that you are just traversing this like pretty island doing it, there's really something about it that has captured the vibe of being a little kid climbing on everything mm, and yeah, using your yeah. imagination. Like that's the energy I get from it when I play it. And that's such a satisfying, fun place to to be in. Yeah. To me, to me, it feels like what a kid would imagine would work to move them around if that makes sense <laughs> like be yeah. a big rock like yeah like if you're a little kid running around and be like yeah if i if i could do anything i would flip i would grab i would climb to the top of this tree and fling off like a like a slingshot and open right, an umbrella and float right. down and that's like yeah that's what she just does you know i'd be a bird and a, i'd poop over everything it's like, okay well i mean can, honestly yeah, right yeah like, <laughs> a lot of bird butthole in this game if you're into it uh, yeah, it's it's a super smart game for Sony to kind of partner with and really put in one of their PlayStation tiers. Janet, you're on a PlayStation podcast. Which one is it in again? I want to say extra. Okay, extra, extra, right. everybody. Chia, check it out. We'll be talking about it a lot more, I'd imagine, at the end of the year and all that fun stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, we're all enjoying it in a big, bad way. Um, hey, hot off the damn presses, there is this game that just today kind of got the big... A second wave of unveiling called Immortals of Avium. Now, look, I'm saying the words Immortals of Avium, but don't turn off the podcast. Just stick with it. I know it's not a great name. I know it's not a great name. Um, This is the game that uh, it was shown at a Jeff Keighley thing a little while ago where it was like first person magic. It was like somebody opened a door and then they had a magic thing in their hand and they looked confusing and action focused. Um, It's an EA uh, original game. So EA is partnering with them to publish this thing. Um, Kyle, you got to see a bit more of it and I got to see a bit more of it. Is that a fair way to put it, sir? Yeah. Uh, they had an online, they had like a presentation, but they were showing it up. They, they talked about it a lot. Like uh, they really, it's, it's funny cause that teaser was so small. Right. And then this was a lot of what the game actually is. Yeah. And it was a weird, I mean, it's like, is this just what E3 demos are like now is to have these like digital previews where, Min Max is watermarked over the screen 3,000 ways to Sunday. And then Jeff Keeley's in the chat saying, let's go, let's get the stream started. It's it's really, it's just a weird vibe for this thing overall. But is Kyle, that what it was like? <laughs> it really, it literally was exactly that. <laughs> um, I took a lot of notes on Immortals of Avium and I'm looking at them now, Kyle, and I wrote down the sentence, Kyle will like this game. 
um, before I even knew that also <laughs> really? you were diving into it in a way. I yeah. I mean, not that I think you're wrong, but I'm surprised that I stuck out to you in particular. It just feels like the kind of it's weird to before this game even comes out to be like, I think this might be like a weird cult hit, but it feels like one of those that might be solid and maybe the name will hold it back. But just for setting the scene a little bit, uh, Janet, do you remember this game? Ooh, I don't okay. think so. Google it. See if the trailer looks familiar. So it's first person action gameplay. The very easy pitch and sorry to be so reductive, but we have an interview with uh, Brett Robbins, the game's creative director, um, and the founder of Ascendant Studios, a new studio here. Uh, this is their their first game, their new IP, first new IP, all that fun stuff. Um, but that interview is up on MinMax's channel. And uh, he's a, the creative director of Dead Space, goes back to working on Gex. He was the creative director for Call of Duty World War II and Advanced Warfare. So he's a, a long journey through the industry. But And Modern Warfare 3 he also worked on. That's right. That's right. Yep. To, yeah. um, but his pitch was like, you know, playing a Call of Duty level – I was just thinking, like, what if when you're in these city streets and like Modern Warfare three, instead of it's like a helicopter flying over you, what if it was a dragon? Which feels like it feels so simple. It's one of those things. Where like, okay, sure, I'm sure everybody who's into games has had something like that. But then to be able to back it up with a lot of money and develop that game, it's kind of shocking to see. Like, yeah, what if you make Call of Duty? but it's magic, and instead of a gun, you just hold your arm out like this, and it shoots different colored magic blasts, and you have shotgun magic and sniper magic. Um, Leo, you chuckle at the pitch. How say you now? <laughs> that shut me up. Permanently. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, what do you I'm think open about? to it. I, okay. I don't have beef in it. Um, I mean, it was it was interesting go, to go from such a zero, because like I actually, the teaser that they had at the Game Awards was was too little i would yeah. argue oh, yeah. like i really yeah. didn't know what to take from this but like the that pitch is like a very like like i don't know like publisher friendly pitch right yep. call of duty with magic but yep. like i i am i am into it like i like i like the idea of a, like a, a a developer with shooter bona fides right like they they like at least brett robbins like has worked a lot on call of duty and taking some of the sort of Call of Duty mechanics into like a different setting with like magic attacks, like is cool. Like I like that idea, you know? Yeah. And there's still, you know, as you're watching, it's like, well, what is the difference here between having magic versus having a gun when the arm is literally just held out like this and it's cool Protoss looking tech, but it's still effectively shooting. It's like, okay, you have like furies, which are kind of like special moves and stuff like that. Uh, there's a blue like energy whip you can use to like lasso folks and stuff like that. Um, but then there's also like a blink spell. So I think that stuff might get interesting. And especially when they talk about how it's like they didn't use the Metroid term, but they talk about like, you will unlock like new spells and abilities and be able to go back and explore new areas and all this stuff. Um, so yeah. like, it, it's compelling. There's, there's also a mechanic with like the colors that you're using of the magic affects right. different enemies in different ways. So like and it's like they simplify in a way that I like that it's like not. Uh, rock paper scissor where it's like if there's an enemy that's like got a bunch of red armor on it use your red magic (laughs) it's like focus on focus on the like the shooting and the moving don't don't think too much about like oh that one's blue so i need yellow right it's like let me get that wheel out here you know yeah exactly it it sounds a little bit like tiny tina's wonderland a little bit i would argue neither of those let the world on fire is the thing and i'm looking at the trailer now yeah this i agree with kyle this this teaser is rough well like when you said yeah. go look it up and watch it and you know they're i think you know drop more later of course but 
I looked it up and I literally started, it's only a minute. I started scrubbing through it out of boredom. Well, and this, I was literally assigned to look at it. So I'm like, that is a rough tease and yeah. a pitch that I feel like, I don't know. It doesn't leave me, per- maybe it's because I'm not a shooter person. It doesn't leave me with much excitement. I think there's not, there's not like enough differentiation there between the genres or the styles. Yeah. It's interesting to see, you know, EA publishing this thing and their pitch, which is just, it, I love the game industry for these types of weird waves and doubling back on themselves. But now it seems like EA knows the strength after uh, Star, Star, Star Wars, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, of pushing the idea of like, hey, everybody, single player story based game. Like, this is, just, gets, is that why you wrote down Kyle game? Because that is the key to my heart. <laughs> it really is <laughs> like, like a single player. Yeah, yeah. I'll check it out. You want like an action based game? This is going to tell a little story. And it's going to be a new IP and it's going to be 25 hours to beat it and you'll be done. <laughs> like, I, hey, are you interested? Like, that might rope in a new crowd for this thing. Um, there's a also just like the development of this game is really interesting to me. I don't know how common it is. I can't imagine too common, but like Brett Robbins opened up this new studio, Ascendant Studios. And then for funding, he just had a buddy who was really rich. And he's like, yeah, I'll just give you all the money. Just go ahead and develop a game. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? So like even that's during the like, that's, that's a heartwarming story. I know. It's really bizarre. So like even in the, the preview thing, they made a point of like, hey, here's the guy who funded this game. Help thank him, everybody. So he's like, in, in the interview, he talked about this. I was like the easiest pitch ever for publishers because he just like walked around. I was like, yeah, we used all our money and we developed this game and I worked on Call of Duty. Do you want to publish it? It's like, yeah, it turns, turns out even companies like EA are like, yeah, absolutely. That, And this is whoa, not going to cost us barely anything. Another, another, why is he, EA always gets dragged and it's not even over the microtransaction stuff all the time. I, I personally really like what EA is doing with the EA original space, oh, totally. but I will say it is very hit or miss. Also, ah, like, sidebar, like, I feel this. like EA's published a lot of really good games and everyone's like, yeah, but like, it doesn't count. I don't know, for some reason, like, <laughs> I don't know. No, I do think outside of the Battlefield blunder, I think EA has had a really great last couple of years. Um, yeah, Star but, Wars, yet, it takes two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and yet. Yeah, that's fair. But it's interesting talking about like comparisons, Janet, like, what would you, you know, compare it to and whatnot? Like, there are flavors in here. It was like, this feels a little anthemy. And then the big thing, and it kept coming up in like the chat during the preview, but a lot of people were like, Forspoken. It kind of feels yeah. like Forspoken because the character is not super talky, but the main character does talk. And I think just like being dropped into this world where it's a lot of words you don't understand. Like, okay, we're talking about battle mages a lot, but in our world, battle mages have a unique name. What are they called? Um, oh, it's like, okay, but the immortals are like the special forces and they're the leader of the battle mages. But if you're a battle mage, you're called a Magnus and then the world is called Lucium. It's just like a lot of that. It's a Kyle Bossman point that he makes all the time over on Delayed Input, his YouTube channel of just like, if you're trying to pitch a new game, don't lead with the lore. I promise you we don't care about the world of Lucium and what it means to be a Magnus versus an immortal. Like that is a zero for us. You have yeah. to lead with and it's anything hard for else. Developers to picture that. Like they yeah. care about it so much and yep. they've come to know it over years already. Yep, yeah. exactly. I mean, Forspoken, the other Forspoken element is like, uh, it, it did feel like you were using magic guns to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And that's Immortals of Avium is a big, that's its big thing. It's like 
gun type mechanics video game mechanics but they're magic you know right right uh there's a lot of cool hand stuff by the way if you like ghostwire tokyo which now is on xbox uh for a lot of first person cool hand stuff it's a lot of hand stuff happening yeah, if you here, like seeing you someone dial a phone number with all five of their fingers right <laughs> right it's something Perfect. i could not get over with ghostwire tokyo and now janet i know that you know the first trailer didn't wow you for mortals of avion but what if i told you that the main character's name is jack and it's spelled j-a-k <laughs> that do anything for you it does a little, it you know. Okay. My, okay. It does. It does do a little. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. It's tough too because I think there's a lot kind of going against it. The name I think is so. not good. Yep. It does have that look of Destiny, COD, Magic, Miss. I feel like you'd show me a screenshot from this game, and I would think it's eight other games. Really? I don't think there's that yeah. many first-person action magic games. That's the thing. And we talked about it a lot in the interview. Someone it's like, who hasn't played Hexen. <laughs> I have not played Hexen. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. There's always one. <laughs> but honestly, it's like Dishonored, but Dishonored's not going for an action game. And so outside of that, like Ghostwire Tokyo a little bit. Um, but th- I don't think there's that many like it. Like, you know, shooters like Destiny, yeah, they have like the magic elements that I guess you could draw comparison to. But like full fantasy first person stuff. I think it's kind of unique even though it seems like a basic core idea for the video game world but um also the the wild thing about this is it's freaking releasing july 20th um which yeah, is that was amazing for me is like the teaser made me think oh this this game must be pretty far out right when they showed it at game awards but no no it's it's pretty close yeah july 20th here we go ready to go so i'm very yeah. curious to see how it's received and all that stuff but immortals of avium and it's out on everything but switch as you can imagine no, no less gen as you can and imagine. Please check point. out GameInformer.com for a nice written preview about the game, Ben. <laughs> you have the gall to come on the sorry, Min-Max look, podcast. I gotta bring it up. There's only one URL, Kyle, and we'll get to it later in the show, buddy. <laughs> no, that's great. Please check it out. Uh, Leo, you were, uh, we talked about it before, but uh, Meet Your Maker, that uh, that other first-person game, is actually out now. This is the one where you're building up a base, a little bit like Mother Base stuff from Mother Solid 5, building up a base, first-person game. You're then trying to infiltrate and get past the traps in another person's base to get inside to collect <clears throat> gen mat and then make your way back out. Uh, Couldn't what do you, have said it better myself. All right. What do you, what do you think about Meet Your Maker, Leon? I thought you've actually sunk your teeth into the finished thing. I just love it. Oh, uh, good. Building bases is, you know, any game where there's that creative aspect, you wonder like, well, I'll let the people who are good at it do that part of it and yeah. just play the good stuff that people make. But this game is really about everybody having their own base and raiding other people's bases because having your own base generates passive income in a way that a lot of games don't let you have. But this game is all about having a base. I'll tell the specific story I have at this moment. My second base I built with Luke from I am 8-Bit. You can build and raid in co-op. And we had a great time making this like slaughterhouse vibe. It's linear with some jump scares. We played through it a bunch of times and like crafted little battle arenas that we thought were challenging but not too hard and then you get to log in every day and watch replays of people who raid your base and you take these mental notes of like oh i have this secret here that nobody's noticing i could point to it a little bit more direct their eyes a little bit more everybody's getting past this room super easily how do i make it a little bit harder or they're not getting scared by this jump scare how do i tune it a little bit more (laughs) or in this specific case my favorite scare of the thing is you grab the gen mat, turn around, and at the end of the hallway you just came down, a giant brute falls through the ceiling. Perfect. And rushes you. And when he falls through, he reveals that you can escape out the hole he dropped down. 
so you don't have to backtrack through the whole base. You can just leave through the top. That's just a nice little touch, I thought, yeah. for players. And watching the replays and seeing people like almost see the exit but be too scared to try it and it's this balancing <laughs> around like how do i get people to feel safe enough to do this it really gives you the energy of being a level designer yeah and tuning around like little things every day you'll say like oh here's the two things i need to fix and it's got that great element of you're lying in bed at night and you're like oh of course it should be like this of that- course this guy should be more behind these traps or whatever well- so you want people to be successful? That's then? the amazing thing. Are you just a nice guy? Or do you think that's the tone of the game is everyone's rooting for you compared to Mario Maker where it's like, let's just torture MFers. You get rewards for kills of by your base and for accolades. If people say it's fun or artistic at oh, the cool. end or whatever. Oh, okay. And you get slightly more for accolades than for kills. So it's mm. a strand game, you're telling me. Essentially, yeah. So some people do go for all kills and make like really stupid kill rooms. And that is the worst part at this moment is like doing raids. You really don't have the trust that everybody's put a ton of care into their base. Right. You don't necessarily have to. But the good ones really do stand out. And there are some really fun surprises there. And me and Luke are just so damn proud of this one. I'm sending Luke like images of our new ratings and how many people rated it overnight. Like it's an ultrasound or something. (laughs) That's cool. Is there um, you mentioned how right now the annoying part as a player and not a designer is the kill rooms. Is there what is like going to the game and looking for bases look like? Is there search functionality? Is there like a tag um, situation going on? It essentially gives you 15 at a time organized by difficulty which is determined automatically by how many traps and guards there are and how close they are to the main path stuff like that and as you build your base more and more you have to prestige it every day essentially to keep it going and that gives you more capacity to add more things so as it gets bigger as you've had it going for like five days then it gets promoted to champion outpost and when you're raiding every few outposts you get to do a champion one and so the champion ones get a bunch more plays and stuff. So it's kind of lightly curated and you definitely see ones okay. more based on if they're getting good ratings, but they also do want everybody's base to get some plays. Yeah. Is I, okay. So I played, I, I just did like tutorial stuff. I got through it. I met the the floating baby in the jar that really wants the, the gen mat. That was his ultrasound um, pick actually. <laughs> and I, I, I want your advice, Leo, because like, I don't know if I'm doing it wrong, but like I got into my first uh, place. What, what did you call them? They're like, uh, houses bases <laughs> bases i don't know why i couldn't think of the word bases you said it a thousand times but like i found myself i would walk up get killed by a trap and be like okay and then i would sh- the next time i would go i would shoot that trap and go a few more feet and then get killed by another trap and then i was like okay well i guess i have to shoot those two traps and i was very much like inching my way through in frankly a way i wasn't finding very satisfying because you you can get hit only once so like am i approaching this wrong it it feels like it's less about replaying it over and over to learn the layout than it is to actually like have an exciting action mode where you're like jumping out of the way of traps at the last second and stuff like that like am i am i doing something wrong or um once you get a little more comfortable with the controls you definitely can go faster i think you you can really safely do each base the way you're doing it because there's like red indicators to look out for of like this traps coming at you but it is a balance between running fast and being aware of like, oh, I'm not going to be able to avoid that one. I'm just running past a bunch of these traps because I'm being fast enough, but there's this flamethrower at the end of the hall that I need to deal with or whatever. Okay. It's yeah. finding the balance of that and getting better at reacting quickly, like learning which trap does what and how they're going to play with each other. Yeah, it all kind of okay. has... Like I a- want to keep going with it. I'm playing... It, it runs pretty well in Steam Deck, and I but I did my... That first taste was a little... I was I just felt like I was dying too much too frequently, but I want to mm-hmm. give it another go. Yeah, and I know you're not a co-op guy, but it definitely is easier with co-op to raid. 
And it's always fun to watch those replays of people accidentally killing each other and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. And imagine that grappling hook does it for you, Kyle. There's a grappling hook? See, I didn't even oh, There you go. Oh, <laughs> no, buddy. No, it's part oh, of the base buddy. website. Yeah, the grappling hook. That's huge. That's huge. Okay, yeah. All right. That makes, Kyle's just that, walking through a house. He's yeah. Like, yeah. What's going on here? He's slaughtered by guns and spike pits <laughs> and stuff. Um, Fully had a grappling hook. What's your um, background with other maker games? Yeah. And what does the design tool set look like? Because that's something that, much like you, I always struggle with. Like, the only design tool set I ever slightly understood was Mario, because I'm like, now the pipe goes down. <laughs> what, what does this look like when you go into the editor? Uh, it's a first-person perspective, more like Halo's Forge mode than anything. You're kind of flying around and, and placing things that way. Uh, a pretty simple interface. Like, I don't have much experience with other Maker games, with Mario Maker or or what have you. But this, I, I got the hang of really, really fast. And you're in it all the time, so it has to be intuitive. And I think it really successfully is. Like, if you have a specific easy change you want to make, it's really easy to make that happen. I'm rooting for this thing. Like, it looks like there's like 2,000 active players on Steam right now, which is not dying, but not exactly exploding. It feels like it's just, I don't know, it could use a big push. Why don't like those big streamers play it and make it like a big popular thing? I don't get it. I don't understand what Behavior Interactive is doing. Um, I, I, I'm rooting for it. You know, like, it's weird to see Behavior Interactive, like, you know, after the big hit with Dead by Daylight. I love the idea of them funneling some of that money into like a weird project like Meet Your Maker. That sounds like a, a fun pitch, but really tough to pull off in practicality. But like, it seems to be working, Leo. Yeah, community there is really cool. It's it's one of those games where everybody's learning from each other. You know, yeah. you get these like metas of what kind of bases people are building, and then people get used to running those, and then it becomes, well, here's how you counter the way people are running bases right now. Right. Yeah. It has hints of like Orcs Must Die in there. Playing this, mm, starting yeah. Meet Your Maker, I was thinking like, oh, I should go back and play Orcs Must Die 3. I got to get that on the to-do list. But Meet Your Maker out on PC and new consoles. And I think there's like old gen consoles as well. PS Plus. Also. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, geez. All right. Well, so then. you can claim it for free if you have the subscription. Or you could debate me on how technically there's no free because you have a subscription. Anyway, fine. Cool. Don't claim it then. Do you want to give your Do you want to give your Twitter handle just in case people want to debate you? And... Yeah, at game o n y s u s. Okay. Watch out. That... I'll quote tweet anybody. Okay. Just be careful. There we go. Watch out. You don't know what's going to happen over there. Uh, and be like, oh, I was joking. I'm like, were you, or did you just get caught up? I don't know. Find out on next the next episode of this podcast. <laughs> Now that it's on PS Plus, I want to say you make a uh, low difficulty base, you'll get a ton of new players running it and not even knowing the controls and dying, and you'll get a lot of rewards. That does sound so fun. Great time to get into it. It does sound fun. I I will. I have not redeemed it. Based All right. On your description okay. Of it because there we maybe go. me and Isaiah could build because that's the thing too. Like we were actually what we had like a build night like a month ago. We're like, what if we like built like a level together did like this little thing and we tried doing it like in dreams, but it was like weird to do and complicated. Yeah. Um. And then Mario Maker had its own problems. So maybe this will be where we can design, even though it's a little um, spikier and darker than my preferred aesthetic, but <laughs> little that's okay. Yeah, let's <laughs> figure it out. Try it out. Uh, Janet, you know what my uh, preferred aesthetic is in life? Patreon. <laughs> no, but that's coming up later, and that's a great point. That is my yeah, aesthetic. I was like, this seems you, early. That was that was Ben setting up his own trap. My trap over here. Uh, oh, I was supposed to shoot that before. My bad. That's right. That's right. Start it over. Uh, well, I would answer Ask it, Janet. Again. Yeah. Do you know what my preferred aesthetic in life is? No. What? It's RTSs with a twist. <laughs> Which, I was gonna say it's typing, but then I was scared. <laughs> I was like, I can't, can't go. No, you can do it. You can do it. Uh, this is a game. 
God help us, video game lords, for talking about Immortals of Avium in the same episode as we're talking about a good game that's called Touch Type Tale. Touch Type Tale. Minecraft Legends. We're not ready to talk about that. (laughs) No, that's going to be next week, but I'm very excited to talk about that. Uh, This game is called Touch Type Tale, and here's my pitch. Imagine a streamlined RTS meets Typing of the Dead, where you control everything just with the keyboard. It's a RTS where there's no clicks per minute. It's all keys per minute. You can literally throw your mouse away once you get past the menus, I guess. Because in the game... (laughs) All it is, is it's an RTS on one screen. I guess there's some scrolling on on some areas and stuff. And then you're typing in words to build units, move units, like separate units, get resources. So, Janet, I know you streamed it today, but like when I booted this game up, it was just like a Saturday and had a big cup of coffee. Decaf, of course, I'm a gentleman. Uh, And then it was just three hours of just just non-stop typing but i had such a blast like i am a sucker for these types of games apparently of just maybe i miss mavis beacon in my life uh who doesn't i know right uh but it is like part rt i mean not part rts but it's pulling enough on my rts nostalgia and then also just typing skills and speed to some extent thrown in there but i'm curious as somebody who isn't in love with the rts genre but as a professional typist what do you think of this thing janet i really liked it yes. it was super fun um there was a tiny bit more strategy than i expected because i was like do i not know anything and you're like no you're just typing yeah and i'm like you gotta think a little you gotta think a little bit but not too much i felt like it i think it did a good job too tutorializing everything um it has a lot of different difficulty levels i will say one thing that's unique about this game is that you don't and ben correct me if i'm wrong yeah it's it's tough to know since like I'm pretty comfortable typing. I imagine you are too. Like, I think it's pretty friendly to even if you're not that fast at I typing so. because it's not the the speed aspect is only a matter of you getting stuff done before maybe enemies come in. Well, then um, also like there are like, parts where enemies they just kind of wait, you know, like and it's not like you're just getting swarmed all the time depending on the level. That and then also like resource collection. It's fun because it's like people in a little minecart. And you hit like capital H to like boost the mine card. Then you see words up top and you type those words to have them mine the gold. But the way it gets around, I think just like whoever types fastest wins is there's like a limit uh, for how much they can get like 40 gold total or 400 yeah. gold or whatever the hell it is. And so that builds up and then you're typing other places to recruit day workers to go get the gold out of the mine. So it's not like you can just type forever and keep piling yeah. up those resources. It'll push you along. So yeah, you don't need to be the fastest fingers in the West to, to make progress in this game. And it is then more reliant, I guess, on the RTS strategy stuff, which you're petrified oh, about. Okay. What, what words are you typing? Like, is so, it like... <laughs> Like, what is like, a word that you type? The Gettysburg Address. Like, the Gettysburg Address. What, no. I, no. what level were you playing no, on? No, That's no, like, no. It, dairy would be like a dairy. more accurate. Yes. Okay. You know? So you would write dairy, dairy, dairy to like get milk. No, you would. It, so no, 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 you, no. <laughs> So there's like different. I feel like we're. What's we confusing sound, about touch type tail, Kyle? It's yeah, very simple sound, concept. We sound very unhinged. Let's dial it back. <laughs> it's a good question to ask. So essentially the way you're on board into this game is they'll like explain all the little pieces to you on how the game works. So the first thing they'll show you is the collecting the cart thing that um, Ben mentioned. So it's like you hit G to like give it some gas. And as you pass to like get the gold, it'll say like gold, podcast, Apple, whatever. And they'll have these words words. above 
for you to mine. Like so it's the way not, you actually, no. as you're passing it, yeah. you type the word and they're like, boom, you hit, that's you hitting the thing to get the gold. Um, so it's like one example. It, yes. It, it, there's some I QTE get, flavoring I mean, to this. I get it. See, I thought you were doing like, Battle, battle. No, it's a co- it's, every once in a while there's like a happy coincidence of something that thematically kind of works, but it seems like they just picked a bunch of five, like three to six ish letter words or whatever the hell and just randomized okay. the dictionary. It's very for it. much like really like any other typing game, maybe speaking or um, yeah. typing of the dead, where you're shooting the guy and you write like, you know, encyclopedia, but like that's not related to the gun, right, you know, okay. aspect right. of yeah, it. Yeah, and they'll have, um, you know, different. Sometimes they'll have like single letters too. Like um, when you pick up the wheat you got, it's like, oh, just QRS or whatever. Right, right. Um, they do have case sensitivity, but you can also turn that off to make it all lowercase stuff to make but it I a think, little easier. But I think you want the case sensitivity because I think it's really smart that you're like, oh, you're capitalizing to focus on a specific building. It was like, okay, you have a, a barracks here essentially, and the word is dairy, of course. So you have to do capital D dairy, and then it knows that you're going there. Whereas the lowercase words for starting out, that's for more like movement. So yeah. that keys it in for like, oh, if it's capital, then it's moving this way. But then if it's lower D, then you're moving troops on this path to go over here. Leo, I know and it's a they, lot. they mail you dairy or what is going <laughs> on? <happen? laughs> Y'all are really getting hung up on this dairy. <laughs> that was my and how do you play console like i just oh forget that (laughs) there is no console version um but it's it's like it feels this is too much but it it just i know i know it feels a little bit like you know going from like oh here's a obscure reference but going from like amplitude to guitar hero like it does feel like having just a weird peripheral to play a game that you love in a different way like it's weird to like to remove a mouse from the RTS genre is such a wild idea and it's just like a cool design challenge like how do you do this but then as you're playing for me like one of my favorite genres and I'm just typing a thousand words a minute it's like this feels fresh and new in a really funky way it sounds satisfying thank you that's all we're looking for it is good (laughs) and if you don't like RTSs or don't know that genre it's totally fine like you don't like I don't have any art I think I played like three minutes of one other RTS game. And I was like, I don't like this. I don't know this. I don't get it. Everyone's small. Uh, no, thank you. Everyone's Bye. small. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just, I don't know. Like, it, the small people to genre. The RTS genre always felt like, I don't know. It just felt very, like, foreign to me. Like, I'm playing with really complicated digital miniatures. I'm like, this is eight things I don't interesting. know. Interesting, interesting. Yep. I'm good. Um, this is, like, fairly simple. Like, you got your resource stuff. If you've done any element of any sim thing, you'll feel fine with it. Um, it's a lot of, again, the resource collecting, you're building different barracks. Yeah. I also really like one thing that surprised me. I only did like three levels is each level kind of offers its own set of context and challenges. Like at its core, you are like fighting, but there's different ways you go about that combat. Like in the second one, it's like all combat and you can like even then you can do stuff like flank, which I wasn't expecting them to have these different ideas of breaking things apart and having like the strategy goes deep enough where it's intriguing but not so deep that you're totally overwhelmed um <laughs> right and i just i just really liked it like in your ui wise too you're just you know in case you're not familiar with rts as much you're just looking at like almost like a fancy looking placemat and they got the little spots <laughs> and i think it also well, does a good job telling you when you're messing up like when i first started i like didn't know what was going on i'm like okay well i got I'm getting gold and then I use the gold to buy this and then they're like you got to open this to like recruit people yep. like they'll Constant literally thing, point yeah. like a big red arrow and they're like hey this is closed now did you want to close this if you did good job if you didn't 
undo this. Right, right. So I think it holds your hand pretty comfortably. Um, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. It's a very different context for a typing game than I've personally yeah. seen before. It's 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 such a weird idea. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. again, it is called Touch Type Tale, and I'd like to and personally it is only apologize. On Epic Game Store is that correct? Yeah, it's got the Epic partnership there, and so please, more people jump in because maybe it's, it's gotten good. better. But well, also I. Had a tough time matchmaking. I really want to play more multiplayer because you can go head head with people. Like I played, you know, my friend Ronnie in this and had a blast going through this game, just typing like maniacs. But um, I would I would love for this to just blow up, just crush Meet Your Maker when it comes to active. (laughs) I know I'm kind of sad getting the vibe that people don't know about this game because I was playing and one no one knew what I was playing. That's fine. But then two, I went on like Metacritic and it doesn't even have a score. No one's reviewed it. I know that's that's verified as an outlet. I know they don't you know verify everybody. So like not saying there's not reviews out there, but I was like, oh man, like show some love. Come on, y'all. Like we got at least. I'm about to make an account just to get something in there. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Pumpernickel Studio who pulled this weird idea off. I love it. And also, there's a part of me that maybe maybe this is a tip, uh, tip my hand a little bit. But, <laughs> I mean, this is probably 15 years ago. I took a note in my phone like, you know what would be cool is to have an RTS where you have to type to make the units. <laughs> like, sort of those things of like, I had that base that. idea. What's that account? They saw that. They saw that? Oh, my God. Thank you. Looks like I need ExpressVPN, which is coming up later in this show. Uh, Leo, <laughs> you wowed the world. People couldn't stop talking about it by saying, I want to talk about one game and one game only on this podcast, and it's Vampire the Masquerade Blood Hunt. And I said, but Leo, that Vampire the Masquerade game, that was Vampire the Masquerade 2, and that seemed to be delayed uh, forever. And you said, no, and you fool. I'm talking about Blood Hunt, you know, the Blood Hunt, you fool. And I said, Leo, I don't remember the Blood Hunt. And you said, it came out a long time ago. No one cared about it. And now I'm getting my little Leo mitts in it. And I look forward to being it shut down in three months. (laughs) Yeah, if Leo plays your game, watch out. He's basically the Grim Reaper at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The Masquerade Blood Hunt. Um, it's, It's a battle royale, except you're a vampire. If you want to be reductive, <laughs> I don't it. know, man. Just <laughs> duty with magic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's 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 a free to play battle royale that just happens to be extremely fun. The movement's really great. You're climbing around the the cities of the city of Prague at night, jumping around on rooftops, having gunfights up there. That feels great. Cool, fun abilities. The most notable thing that made me think there's something to it is the whole civilian system. Mm. Throughout this whole battle royale map, there's people chilling on the streets on their phones or whatever, and <laughs> you can feed on any of them to get your health back, or some of Ooh. them will give you other buffs like faster cooldowns on your abilities or more melee damage. And so you're kind of balancing that with doing it without other civilians seeing you. Because if they see you feed, or if you accidentally kill a civilian in a gunfight, which is really easy to do, then you get blood hunted, the eponymous blood hunt, God, and it. you're marked on the map for everybody, and it becomes like, oh, everybody in your area is now on the hunt for you. And that makes for some really fun situations. Oh, that is it's fun. an interesting system to be on top of a battle royale. And it makes for some really cool fights. There's like one moment where I was accidentally got blood hunted and I was running <laughs> on the rooftops, trying to escape this guy, exchanging shots or whatever. Noticed a spot where it dropped down into like this little courtyard. So I slid off the roof and I looked back up cause I was totally marked on the map. He knew where I was. He was going to come for me, but I knew where he was going to come from. And he hops off the roof and I shoot my like shield that one of the classes has. It's this wave shield that pushes forwards and hits people for damage. And it like knocked him into the air and did enough damage to knock him out. And I just like saw his body falling towards me and I like moved back 
like a pop fly and caught him in my hand and with an execution animation. It just is a really smooth game. It's remarkably fun for a game nobody's ever heard of. This is the kiss of death. Did your like Rumbleverse buddies transition once that game was shut down to Blood Hunt? Is that what happened here? I'm playing it with one of my Rumbleverse buddies. Okay, yeah. okay. And and if Rumbleverse still existed, I probably wouldn't be playing it at all. Okay, interesting. But we're not connecting any threads here. But yeah, it came out what, like August last year, I think. Um, yeah. that's, that's cool. I mean, you're going to stick with it. Is it going to be in the regular rotation here? It's just a weird one-off. It'll be in the regular rotation for sure. I, I got it because I wanted like a cool, a movement shooter and ideally a free one. And that came up and looked interesting and it's really been paying off. It's a blast. Right on. And it's super like free player friendly. It's a totally free hundred tier battle pass. There's no paid option and it gives you plenty of currency to buy stuff from the store, which is always present and not like daily rotating. Yeah. It's a really friendly experience if you don't want to put any money in. Right on. Move and shooter, but have you ever looked into touch type tail, Leo? Yeah, as long as I'm doing something on the keyboard, I don't really. Okay, what it all is. right, we got it. We got another one. <laughs> Leave a review. Uh, let's see. There's another game uh, that came out on Tuesday uh, called Tron Identity, which is one of those games that I'm just fascinated that it exists, and I'm really happy that you know Disney can farm out their IP to a, a funky studio to make something different. Uh, so this is from uh, Bithel Games, Mike Bithel, who made Thomas Was Alone, Volume, uh, John Wick Hex, Subservice Circular, all that fun stuff. It's an official Tron IP game from Disney, um, except the twist is it's a visual novel, and it's out on Steam and Switch. Kyle, have you seen this? Do you remember seeing this in previews and stuff like that? I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen it. Um. Yeah. Why don't you tell me about it? Because I, yeah. I'm not a big, I'm not a big Tron guy, and I'm even less of a visual novel guy. No. No, I did no. like Thomas Was Alone. I thought that was a great game. But you know what they say about two wrongs? You know? right, so they, right. Maybe yeah. it all works out. But for the record, though, well, I'm not a Tron person, but I weirdly consume Tron stuff that isn't just the movie, like the Daft Punk album. I'm like, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was about to say, Janet, my favorite Tron thing is Daft Punk's Tron soundtrack. Yeah, yeah I hear that Legacy. ride at Disney's pretty good, too, so, like, stay tuned for that. But genuinely, when I saw this at, uh, I think it first was revealed at that Disney sh- Games Showcase, yeah, the Blessing I, like, popped yeah. for this when I saw that. Right. Because I'm like, Tron, it's weird, and then Bithel Game, yeah, Subcircular Circular, I adored that game. Really? Game oh, so cool. good. Yeah, did you play it? I started it, yeah. It's awesome. Like, did you not like it? I, I realized... It's a running theme, and I don't want to uh, put the game down. This is on me, but I, I just don't like them. No, it, it was just realizing, like, I have I ever enjoyed a visual novel in my life? Maybe this genre is just extremely not for me. Is it the, so you, you're down to type, but you're not down to read. You're more a writer than a reader. That's right. I want to create in the world. I want to type dairy 400 times for my gaming experiences, not read so dairy get, 400 Leo times. Leo will get milk shipped to him? I yes! Know. It's Tron! What's confusing? <laughs> I, I kind of want to play Kyle's game, though, to be honest. like <laughs> It seems a little bit more fun. I don't know. Um, but it's just the quality of the writing. Maybe you found the right one. That, that's I, right. I think there's one out there for you, Ben. I, I, Dunkin' Cabbage. Oh, that's right. Toby Soft Coast game. I yeah. played the demo. You're going to like that one. Is there a, I did uh, like Doki Doki uh, Literature Club. Okay. Play, All my right. wife and I played that together and enjoyed that, yeah. Yeah, it feels like um, that Simpsons joke, but instead of being like, has anyone seen Tron? It's just, does anyone play visual novels? Yeah, no, I no, visual novels. No, no. All right, all right. Janet, you got it covered. Um, well, I'm curious to hear your take on Tron. The writing seems good. I, I, I booted this sucker up, and uh, it's got a good premise out of the gate where you play a detective within the Tron universe, which, Leo, you know the lore of Tron. You don't need me to bore you by going through it. You're in computer. 
urine computer. That's exactly right. Uh, and it's very smart. The detective's name is Query, which is like, okay, that's perfect. And I, just, I love the dorkiness of Tron. Like, even in this game, it got me where it had, like, the credits at the top of the game. And instead of listing programmers, it just says coders. Or, no, it just said code. Code by these people. I'm like, that's such a cool Tron way to handle this whole thing. Uh and then you go through it and you're just a lot of branching decisions, a lot of branching paths. The story seems good so far. And then there's a, at least one mini game that I've encountered so far. That's kind of like, I don't know, solitaire esque. Um, and I think I, uh, I'm well, a dumb guy. Solitaire conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. They did make solitaire conspiracy. Exactly. Right. Uh, but I realized it was like the tutorial version of that. And I'm like, I'm not really understanding this. I think I'm too dumb for this. And when it's the tutorial, I was extra self-conscious about it. This is a long way of saying this game seems cool. If you like Tron or visual novels, you can check out Tron identity. It's 15 bucks. I, I love the idea of Disney doing this. And it seems like they're teasing that this is the first of more Tron stuff to come from Bethel Games, which I'm very curious to see what that's going to be I, like. I say, I say this as a, as a positive as well. I, yeah. I hear it's quite short. Like, it's like, oh, it, right? it takes like less than two hours to finish, I Ooh. think, which... Like, I really wish I had played it now for that. I thought, yeah. I thought yeah. just one person would have. So I'm like, I don't have time for this. It's fine. Mm. I'll play this typing game instead. But to right. think, like, I didn't know that you were a visual novel uh, hater. Ben. I was visual novel curious. I keep trying to convince myself I can like it. Um, and so maybe <laughs> knowing that it's that short, maybe I can go back because I do, I am curious about the story for sure. Um, but then I, I was searching around on Steam and I, for this game, and then I saw that they had Tron 2.0 on Steam, yeah. which is that game from 2003. And so I downloaded that and started playing that instead. <laughs> it's the one from Monolith, you know, like the Shadow of Mordor people. Oh, Leo, did right, you play yeah. this first-person shooter back I in the day? I loved that game. It was really? available on Mac, so of course I played it. Oh, weird. Uh, I, and then I accidentally stepped on the case and broke the disc. And I think I cried. No! And then you're I'm kicked out of the happened. land of Tron. So I love that idea of, like, because of that, you are... You have a soft spot for the Tron IP because of this Tron 2.0 game from back in the day. That's the most experience I have with Tron as a franchise for sure. Do you haven't <laughs> seen those films? No. They're, man, if you're in the right mood, I think they're fun and weird. And look, what was fun about Tron 2.0 was like, you know, it was made before Tron Legacy. And so that game, like all the designs and aesthetics are based on the 1982 movie where everything just like the lighting looks weird. It's like people are just weird and just saturated. Then you have the glowing lines on them and stuff. It's just cool because now Tron Legacy visually was such a stunner that all Tron IP from here to the end of time is going to be in that mold and stuff. And Tron Identity is very much in that style. But uh, I'm curious to hear other people's thoughts uh, if you, people spend more time with Tron Identity. Um, now I'm torn between Kyle and Janet for who I ask about this. Um, so, Leo, do you know how this whole thing operates? Ooh, uh, the powerful dairy lobby. That's <laughs> right, everybody. Drink your milk. Drink your milk. Drink your milk. There's a comment that just says dairy on this YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Of all the words, that's the one that sent people over the edge. I guarantee. <laughs> I guarantee it's in that game somewhere. But uh, no, why no, Leo? It's Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. Find the tier that is right for you. If it's sustainable for you, that makes us sustainable as an outlet. So find the one that's comfortable for you. We greatly appreciate it. And thank you to some of our bigger supporters. I'm talking about people like the one, the only, the podcast, kings and queens of the internet, stamps.com, everybody. Uh, stamps.com. When I brought it up, Janet Garcia, your jaw hit the floor and you said, I love stamps.com. Is that yeah, accurate? Yeah, that that's pretty accurate. Um, okay. I mean, I don't use as much as Kelsey does with her like business stuff and right, the shipping right. aspect of it. But I mean, I just think 
the general service that it offers is one of uh, immense quality. And I feel like wow. people that do end up shipping regularly tend to turn to stamps.com for that kind of service. It's the way to go. They say that it's a post office in your office. Uh, with stamps.com, all you need is a computer and a printer. They even send you a free scale, so you'll have everything you need to get started. If you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule it through your stamps.com dashboard. If you sell products online, stamps.com seamlessly connects to every major marketplace and shopping cart. Running a business isn't cheap, they say, especially when it comes to fulfilling orders for your customers. Luckily, stamps.com has huge carrier discounts, up to 84% off USPS and UPS rates. Jesus. Plus, Stamps.com automatically tells you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. They've been around for 25 years. They say get access to the USPS and UPS services you need right now from your computer anytime, any day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting at the post office. Stamps.com is right for you. You can set your business up for success when you get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code MINMAX, two N's and MINMAX, of course, for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitment or contracts, just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the promo code MINMAX, everybody. You know those sweet words. Also, thank you to our supporters, ExpressVPN. This is like we're living in Tron. Um, <laughs> and you know, there's viruses and evil evil killers everywhere in the world You of know them because they're yellow. They have yellow lights on them. That's right. But if you use ExpressVPN, you can access the internet without any of these concerns you can finally get some privacy on the internet like imagine leo going into the world of tron but it's just you baby paradise it's like a post-apocalyptic fun (laughs) film where you get to go shopping completely on your own you don't have big big data looking over you and stealing all your stuff can you imagine how much that's worth it's kind of like having the good guy from Tron in your computer protecting you. <laughs> That's right. Shout out to the good guy from Tron. Express VPN, VPN everybody. Uh, value your <laughs> private <laughs> VPN. That's a EV evolution. Uh, using the internet without a VPN is like going to the bathroom and not closing the door, they say. And then they say, how is that? Not pleasant. I insist on closing the door. Well, your internet service provider knows every single website you visit. They can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who then use your data to target you. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so your online activity can't be seen by anyone. And if you if you close your eyes, then literally it's not being seen by anyone. It's as private as it can get. It works on phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi is completely protected with ExpressVPN. All you have to do is just fire up the ExpressVPN app, click one button. It's as easy as closing the bathroom door. So no one can see you pee. Get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free by going to expressvpn.com slash minmax. That's expressvpn.com slash minmax for three extra months for free. Expressvpn.com slash minmax, everybody. And thank you, of course, to our dear friends at iMapeIt. They want everybody to know about Cozy Grove. You can get the pre-order for Cozy Grove right now, the Nintendo Switch exclusive edition and the PlayStation 5 exclusive edition. This is the iMapeIt exclusive. Check it out in their wonderful online store this edition because iMapeIt, 
they don't phone nothing in. Uh, it includes a blind bag containing a collectible enamel pin inspired by Cozy Grove's ghostly denizens. You can get all 28 of these adorable bears for Cozy Grove with I Made Bits Physical Edition on the Switch and on PS5. Also an exclusive cover sheet. It's region free, all that good stuff. So please go to I Made Bits Wonderful online store, imadebit.com. Check out that store and you can use the promo code April Showers. April Showers, all one word, all caps, and you can get 10% off of everything under $100. Please help support them. Help support IM8Bit because they support MinMax in a big way by shipping out a prize from their wonderful online store each and every week. So whoever submitted the best question over on Patreon this week, they win the vinyl soundtrack to Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. Thanks to iMateBit. So promo codes for iMateBit and ExpressVPN and Stamps.com are in the description below for everybody. So, all right. Y'all going to remember the best uh, questions submitted over on Patreon this week so we can give out a great prize thanks to iMateBit? Um, yeah. Yes, but also I just remembered I did watch Tron. I just don't remember <laughs> almost anything about it. And I was holding back my laughter that entire set because like once Leo said, oh, the, inside the computer, I was like, wait a minute. I did. Yeah. yeah with the little rings or whatever. Right. I did watch this. Well, remember, it was no kind of like memory. No memory of it. But do you, it's kind of like using ExpressVPN, so maybe those ideas are kind of locked into your brain together? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what, that's what, that's what did it. I don't okay. know what it was, right. but um, yeah, very odd. Very odd. Uh, like, uh, I remember this dog, okay. We have <laughs> so many good questions to get through that I think we need to call in a ringer. Y'all ready for this? Share the load. Steven Spawn, welcome to the podcast, sir. Hey, let's go. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. Uh, you put out a call on Twitter and you're like, hey, I want to talk to folks about the Able Gamers' uh, first annual gala. And you said, come on board, please. Um, I, doing a little research. Uh, I'm sorry for being so naive on this front. Able Gamers has been around since 2007? Yeah, we've been around for a long time. I've uh, been doing the thing where we've been helping people with disabilities and getting people who are disabled into video games that we all love for a long, long time, handing them the controllers they need, getting them into peer counseling to figure out exactly how they conquer the challenges that are keeping them out, and anything else we can do to basically facilitate them to have the experiences that they want to have. Yeah, it feels like over the last five years, at least from my naive timeline, it feels like the industry has just suddenly been like, oh, okay, let's focus on accessibility in a new way. Like, wh- what do you think that is? What accounts for the industry sea change here? Uh, hammering them since 2007. <laughs> okay, that's the secret. <laughs> got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's 100% the overnight success, uh, you know, um, mantra, right, where everyone's just like, oh, man, you came out of nowhere. Well, no, no, really, we've been doing this for a long time, and so... You know, um, all the stories I've told on Twitter all the time about, you know, how companies slowly get on board. I think it's like, um, it's kind of like a C, right? You just got to get momentum. So I think what happened is around five, six years ago, we just finally got enough companies behind the movement that they started making change. And when the seats at the table started opening up, where you saw people other than me, for a long time, I was the most visible advocate for gaming and disability in a long time and it was only me and then uh, as a disabled person that is um and then there were more advocates and more advocates and you know although along the way you you kind of form this coalition we all kind of are just trying to live our lives like we're not trying to really change the world a lot of us are advocates because we just had to do something yeah you know um leo 
and I were at GDC last year when you got the Ambassador Award, which must must have been a, a bizarre thrill to be on stage. I went back and watched your, yeah, I went back and watched your speech again, and I greatly appreciated you opened up uh, the entire thing by just saying it's a privilege and honor to share this evening of inscription with you because I was coming <laughs> off of like two hours of inscription wins. But during that discussion, you talked about like an early meeting with Rockstar to talk about accessibility and it yeah. did not go well. Um, are there, are there companies that you want to shout out that you feel like have really been on the forefront of pushing this? You know, I, I, I love our friends over at Microsoft who have done a lot for this. Xbox has come a long way with pushing this. Um, and a lot of the, a lot of the game industry comes along. I mean, to be honest with you, PlayStation and indie studios and Microsoft are all doing great. Uh, as far as accessibility goes, they do accessibility. Nintendo don't, but everyone else <laughs> really good, uh, when it comes to that. So hopefully, uh, everyone will eventually get on board, uh, and allow, people with disabilities to share these virtual worlds that everybody wants to see. Yeah. Is that, um, is it always a big discussion uh, about just like, what, how do we get through to Nintendo? I mean, everybody else yeah. is screaming, wanting to get through to Nintendo so they can make a new F zero game or something. But I imagine in that community, it's like, what, how are they not listening to this? I don't get it. You know, I once had a, cause I've, I've done all the Nintendo magazines. I've been in every single Nintendo podcast and magazine that gets lots of airplay and 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 people are always every time just like you know do you do you hate nintendo do you just not want to talk to them? i was like no if i didn't care about them i would never mention them the reason that i shame them publicly and why i've gotten emails from nintendo saying please stop shaming us publicly <laughs> uh which i will not do um is uh they uh is, is i care like people should be able to go play breath of the wild like it seems like a freaking amazing game and now now there are adapters that people who have physical limitations such as myself uh you know for those of you who don't know me i can't really use my arms i'm not quadriplegic but i'm as close as you can get uh without actually being uh, think about stephen Hawking a on als kind of level of disability that's me and so I can't pick up a Switch. I can't operate it. But now, thanks to Able Gamers and its partners, there are adapters and switches and abilities that if I truly, truly wanted to play Breath of the Wild, I could uh, because of those adapters. But just as the default device, it's just not accessible. And and also they do weird things like two Pokemons ago, they hid a device that adds in captioning in a side quest in Pokemon where you literally had to go find a side trainer to get earbuds that when you put the earbuds in would enable captioning. I was like, what? why did you hide? And it's just, yeah. Janet, you <laughs> seem to know bizarre. what I'm talking about. I Sword, Sword and Shield, wild. I think it was. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Had okay. it as a side item. And like, it wasn't even like a main quest where you had to stumble on it. No, it was a side quest. And so you would have missed the entire feature. So if you're deaf, not only do you have to figure out how to get to that quest and how to complete it, but also you may never find it. Right. So, Eesh. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, you want to talk about the the first annual gala for Able Gamers? Like what that is? No, I want to keep bashing Nintendo. It's yeah, whatever, fun. man. The floor is yours. <laughs> the floor is yours. <laughs> why not both, you know? Well, why not both? Yeah. No, um, you know, uh, the reason that I, I shouted out the Twitter, because, you know, obviously I know, you know, good friends of yours like kind of funny and whatnot, and, and they have been really supportive, and so... Uh, Greg talked highly about uh, y'all and, and everything you do here. So oh, I nice. wanted to make sure that we, you know, got out the word to you and your followers as well about this cool first of the kind event. It's going to be think Stardew Valley meets Zoom. So it's literally going to be people are going to get to come to the virtual event on April twenty second, 
where you get to log in, be a digital character, 2D isometric, looking down on a ballroom environment. It is a giant space that we built that has video games and entertainment plazas and areas where you can walk around and talk to each other. It has proximity chat, just like Among Us. It has video chat, just like Discord. And so, as your character, you get to walk around and have a little cool virtual event. And this is a new thing we're going to be doing year after year. Today's, well, not today, but this year is the first of its kind. And we will see uh, how we improve and how we do better as time goes on. Yeah. So, there's a link in the description for everybody. And is it everybody can sign up to go or how does it work? Yeah. Literally, you can go to ablegamers.org slash gala. You can buy a ticket. The ticket is just a donation to the charity. So if you do tax write-offs, check with your CPA because not everywhere allows tax write-offs for this kind of thing. But if you can, it's a donation to a charity. And then you get to come to the event. And for the first two and a half hours, it's walking around getting to talk to streamers that you know and love, like Little Simsy, Bruce Green, John Reisinger. Find Black Kai, Mega Oryx, uh, and all this goes on and on of these streamers that have volunteered their time to come and be a part of the stream where people can basically pay 25 bucks to say hello to them from an opportunity you might not get otherwise. We wanted to come up with a different way yeah. to reward people for donating to charity. Yeah, make it more of an experience for sure. That's super exactly. smart. And, I, and I'm and sorry. That's just the, I'm sorry that's for, just the, the virtual part. That's not even the physical Right, right. But I'm sorry for everybody who's asking, is this the metaverse? And imagine that's come up uh, multiple times in your experience. Or... <laughs> it's not quite the metaverse. Okay, not good. quite yet. It's getting there, though. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, GP7, we'll be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, you know you mentioned it. Somebody wrote in about that exact thing. Jared Meyer over there on Patreon, they submitted a question saying, Hey, crew, I find uh, artificial intelligence both incredibly fascinating and terrifying, but either way, it seems like it's going to be part of our lives and deep into everything, including video games. With Steven on, I wanted to get y'all's insight and opinion on how you think AI and gaming can potentially impact accessibility. It doesn't seem too far-fetched to think that in 10 to 15 years, we could have games that could learn player behaviors and even pick up on certain actions that may be hard or impossible for them to perform and have the game dynamically adapt to meet the needs of people. Steven, have you thought much about this, about the AI revolution happening and what it means for, for video games? Hey, for one, I'm ready to salute Terminator overlords. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, That's right. For whatever robots are listening out there, hey, go robots. Thumbs up. Yeah, Ben. Um, I have thought about this a lot. And I think um, I, I think it could be an interesting uh, happenstance, depending on the integration that happens in video games. So uh, I am in some circles, industry famous for being the guy that will fight versus the uh, souls like games. So dark souls, uh, you know, does, they will not do accessibility. They are stand pat on there. We don't need accessibility. And the, the problem is that all video games need accessibility because all accessibility options are difficulty settings and difficulty settings are accessibility. But, there's a difference between everybody should be able to beat every game and everybody should be able to play every game. And I think that's where AI may come in because a mm. lot of the discourse, the the trouble, the people who yell at me and even some who have gone way too far on Twitter, um, it's all about, I can beat this game and I don't want everybody else to be able to beat this game because then I'm not special. Totally. And that, that, that repeatedly is something I've heard from people over and over and over on Twitter. And I understand that. And I think what's going to happen is eventually games will start to get smarter. I think whether it's through AI or through programming, I think that this, you know, easy mode debacle goes away because I think video games begin to learn 
not only how good you are, but how good you possibly can be. I think they'll be able to tell if you're struggling, if your reflexes are not fast enough. I think it'll be able to adjust the health of monsters, the damage of the output. I think they'll be able to adjust on the fly to how good you are at the game and then adapt the game to you. We already see that with, you know, some... Uh, sometimes if you fail the same quest three times, it'll say, hey, do you want to skip this and just go ahead? Totally, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think, that, I think that'll be the next natural evolution is the game gets smarter, and this whole discourse of do we need easy mode or what is easy mode goes away, and it just becomes play the game to the best of your ability and have fun doing it. Yeah, it's one of those... I don't know. It, it's so everyone's talking about AI and chat GPT and all this stuff. It, it's one of those things that like, it's worth acknowledging at this moment in time, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, 10 years in the future or something like we get uh, five questions each week, just about chat GPT, you know, type stuff, AI type stuff. It just seems like everyone is in that phase of like, what does this mean? Where is this going? It's kind of a, a fun time in human history, unless it leads to a downfall then it's not a fun time in human history, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I actually like this, Stephen's like your thought here and from the question the person who wrote the question too of like a positive application of right, AI because right. like for me it's all doom and gloom like it's hard for me to even think about like the the pros because they're there I just I'm not I can't I, I it's hard for me to see them right now <laughs> you know like I'm scared of AI personally yeah there's yeah. um uh, Ezra Klein's podcast He's obsessed with AI and is kind of working through his feelings on it, which is interesting to hear because he's a smart fellow and he thinks a lot about tech. Um, but he was bringing up like, yeah, he's a little doom and gloom too, but he's thinking about like, you know, everyone's talking about like what it's going to do to the economy and, you know, how it affects whose job and all that stuff. Obviously, a huge discussion. And it's not like he's saying, oh, it's going to be great, therefore. But he was like bringing up the angle of like, yeah, but at the same time, if you think about it, it's going to be so weird for the economy and what it would mean for the workforce in America if AI just means that effectively everybody can be the head of their own company with 100 free employees. Like, what does that mean for an economy if that is possible, right? If you just have 100, the equivalent of 100 people, but it's just code? Like, that is such a yeah. weird idea and, to turn your head around. There's also even that question of zooming out. It's like, is AI even the right term? Because it's more right. like, like montage of, it's just a collection of data that, I don't know, like... So it's so interesting and weird. I mean, they just released the thing saying that even the coders themselves don't know how um, the the coding works. That they basically fed it a language model and then fed it a bunch of things that we've said over the centuries, and then said, "All right, this is how we communicate this. So we want you to communicate with us now. Build your own code so that you can do that." And it was like, "Okay, but we don't know what's going on inside." There's no way to diagnose but, it. That's such a the plot idea. of Megan, right? Like that's exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Metal Gear Solid Two as well, actually. Yeah, I, I, I mean, all, all the great pieces of art. <laughs> greatest yeah, art of all time. Not, that's right. I don't know, man. I was, I, I'm, I'm the opposite, I guess. Um, I because of my life as a profoundly disabled person, and I say profoundly for one reason, like no disabled person likes to compare themselves to others, but I say profoundly, especially for those not watching the video, that I I use a wheelchair, I have a ventilator, my arms don't work. Like, you need to understand that my disability is very boxing. It keeps me out of things in life a lot. And so as technology has progressed, my life gets better. So mm-hmm. as as AI comes into this, the more computer, the more AI, the more things that have come along, uh, the the better off that I am. So that's interesting. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, Steven Stitt writes in um, and says, Hey, Min Max, last year I finally played the original Halo trilogy with a buddy in co-op, and it was so good. I spoke to him about it recently and realized that's the only co-op gaming I've done in the last few years. It feels like multiplayer gaming takes so much coordination as an adult that I don't get to indulge in it. Am I in the minority here? I feel like I have a really great experience on the rare occasion that I do actually get to enjoy it. I, I, I hear you, Steven. This is the type of thing of... Yeah, it's like, I, I think I was talking to some friends not too long ago about it. I was like, what? There are so many co-op games. Why aren't we playing co-op games on a regular basis? Leo, I feel like you're maybe the smartest out of all of us for having like your regular rotation <laughs> of like online games that are effectively co-op, right? A co-op in my life shows up more in what I play with my partner. We're always oh, sure. looking for more couch co-op games. That's what we're really lacking. I feel like we've played every single one in existence. That isn't like a bullet <laughs> hell because we're not interested in that. Yeah. But we always have our eyes on new ones and it's really notable when they come out because we really feel like we've played all of them. And I want to do something with that uh, level of insight at some point. Rank every local co-op game you can play that's on a bullet hell. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I know we had um, just to tip our hand behind the scenes. Like, hey, we got codes for Bread and Fred the co-op platformer that Janet was raving about. And like, Leo, you jumped on that faster than I've ever seen you jump on any code. You're like, what is this? Some <laughs> local co-op? All right, I'm there. It's very sweet yeah. to see. Uh, how's everybody else doing for the level of co-op in their life? It's kind of a constant challenge. <laughs> I have so many, especially if you're playing with someone that also is just very prone to gaming. And by that, I mean, we have like several games in rotation. Right. Like the challenge of... The way it's been memed of how long it's t- it took me to beat Sackboy, A Big Adventure. Because mm. I started that game at launch, and I finished it, um, I think, like, last New Year's Eve or something. Like, on the, like coming into 2023. I Because I was playing with everybody. It was all four of us. Four separate adults with separate schedules and separate moods. And it just gets to that point where I'm like, you know what, frankly... It could, I could could or not play, but I'm down to whenever you're down to play, I'm gonna I'll do it. I'll Default, drop everything. Because yes. it's so tough to get to coordinate that. And even like me and my brother, we do a lot of um because Leo, to your point, there's not a lot of like couch co-op options. So we do a lot of even pass the controller for um, you know, a, a single player game. And that also becomes it's like, you know, Road 96. It's like I started that last, mm. you know, two years ago and then I'm saving it. And then, oh, but we still got to do the quarry, you know, and I'm going to fish and that. Like, it's a I think it's just challenging. Like this writer, you know, person writes in saying just coordinating the schedules is tough. But for me, my solace is that, hey, it's going to take as long as it's going to take. We're all ultimately having a good time spending time with each other and playing these games. So, you know, if I want to finish it quickly, I definitely should be doing it on my own. Um, but if I don't mind the longer wait time, then yeah, you know, I'm happy to make time for doing that. Uh, Leo, I'm much like you too with my partner. We're always looking for co-op stuff as well. We got to trade lists at some point and you know, yeah, make sure we sure. covered all our bases. Well, let's see. Were you on the same episode where Leo was raving about gas station infinity? What was that called again? Cosmos quick stop. Ooh, no, I, I, I might have been, but I don't know if I, if that one like jumped Write out it me, down, but. Janet, write it down. Uh, Steven, how's co-op in your life? Uh, you know, as a streamer, that's pretty much like all I do. I'm I'm somebody who, I mean, I don't do locals that much. Mine's always online, but I mean, I'm a I'm an MMO player to the core. Mm. Co-ops is just my 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 thing. I um I absolutely loved It Takes Two. That was my favorite game 
uh, to, to play. Uh, such a good good memory playing that with a friend. Yeah. Um, uh, just going through the whole experience, I could see why you know couples really enjoyed playing that. Like what a, what a cool thing! Like best friends, romantic, platonic, doesn't matter. If you were a couple of good people that played <laughs> with each other, that thing was have the perfect amount of heartfelt and antagonizing each other. Yep. So <laughs> I loved it. Um, yeah, I just love co-op things. I I kind of find. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I, I, I actually I'm, I'm probably a little different. As everybody here mostly games for a job, I feel like I use gaming more for the social aspect. Like mm. I I don't love playing so single player stuff. Every once in a while, something single player will get my attention, and I'll get involved for a while. But it's always eventually like, man, I wish I could play this with somebody, or man, yeah. I, I'd rather spend this time with a friend in the game. I'd rather you know go find people to hang out with. So. Even as a streamer, you often catch me doing things that are involving either my community or fellow streamers. Yeah, for sure. Kyle, we should play co-op games. We should play like multiplayer games. I'm busy that day. Is that right? I just, yeah. Whatever to, day no, that Kyle, is. Kyle, I forgot that's what day it is. This is Kyle, my I know, you I, can't. I know you famously don't like co-op or don't engage in optional co-op things in a co-op way. Is there yeah. a formative experience that made you that way or have you not really dabbled? Why are you the way that you are? Yeah, exactly. I, I've, actually, I've actually had some really wonderful co-op right. experiences. Like Portal 2 co-op with my wife it was like very, it's like a core memory and very special to me. But I just like generally when, it, when I'm in the mood to play a video game, I like sort of engaging in a world on my own time. Um, but I have, but that's not to say I haven't had good co-op experiences. We actually recently as a family played like a point and click game uh, together. And that was like a lot of fun, but it wasn't like an explicitly co-op game. Right. Yeah. And that it's a secret what the game was? No, no, I just don't remember the name off the top of my head. Was it head. the one that Sarah uh, liked? Hold on. It, it's, it's, you play as a detective giraffe. Oh, <laughs> I was like, Thimbleweed Park. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, that's right. the problem. I, I can look it. I, don't, I do want to shout it out because it was a good really, time. It's a, it's a real game, I swear. There's a giraffe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Giraffe's <laughs> yeah. Like Sherlock Holmes? God, what was... Uh, look, uh, I, I'm going to look it up and see if I can find the name. I'm just saying, it would be... Uh, Lord Winklebottom. No, Lord still fake, still Winkle fake. Bottom. How would we know if that's right? Just yeah. Come on, Kyle. Yeah. It has fewer reviews than Touch Type Tale. Um, it's got very, uh, 95 very positive reviews on Steam. Kyle, I think it'd be fun um, since I don't get to hang out with you in real world too much because you live like uh, three hours away, it feels like. It's technically like 37 minutes, but it's like, it feels like it's very drive. But what if we just started playing multiplayer games together like twice a week? That's a, that's that's Kyle that's digging into my single player eyes. time. <laughs> Come on, okay. you gotta open with once a month, Anson. I'm just I, look. I, I was, I'm sorry for expressing what my heart felt. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I like to. That's why sometimes too. I like to make it an event. I think back to the like. How do you? I think what was the question was like. How do you do it more? Whatever. I think just carve out the time and commit to it. Because mm. unfortunately, since time isn't as free as it was. I think in a lot of our childhoods where it's like, I walk to my brother's room and we're hanging out for 12 hours because we don't have jobs, you know? Um, like, I'm doing that actually later this month with TMNT Shredder's Revenge. You know, we're going to do four-player co-op. It's a short enough game that we can beat it in one long that sitting. That sounds great. I'm going to order a pizza for it because that's what, that's what I've been saving it for. My pizza beer, I'm like... And then I'm also making it kind of a little bit more low-key where, you know, not everyone likes to... Get, here's the thing. I'll just say it. They're not going to listen to the show. Maggie and Isaiah, they might not be into this TMNT game. They might just drop off. Edwin and me, mm. we'll hang out. We'll do. Yeah. But I'm like, y'all can still eat the pizza chill. Like, you know, like, so I you need a game. You need a game you can drop out of like halfway through if need be. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I'm like, look, no one wants to. Because again, you want to have a fun time. Like, no one wants to feel like they're totally forced to do it either. So right. I think 
having those options of you know freeing it up a bit with certain people also is super helpful yeah what i'm hearing here ben is you need to learn from janet and you don't go right for the do you want to do this every other week you lower the middle of pizza exactly the oh yeah. Yeah. Of, uh, yeah the the dance as they say yeah. this is helpful this is helpful uh, all right. Next question is from Adam Castellanos. Uh, they write in and they ask, "How can I get over my fear of commitment to playing with you get Kyle?" A pizza? Couple- yeah, <laughs> pizza. Just a good broad question, Adam. Fear of commitment. Anybody got an experience with this type of thing? So no clarification. Zero clarification. Interesting. <laughs> Think as big as you can. Um, Sometimes it'll all be, be fine. Just do it. It's it's such a lazy therapy answer. if you can afford it. Okay. That's that's good, but just that Let's answer. Let's leave it to like, the experts. You know, I'm better at like how do I play more co-op games? <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to say that's why your advice podcast is not taking off. <laughs> is that what it is? Instead, yeah. I, don't know, I mean, the commitment's just the thing where you have to decide that the pain of not doing something outweighs the pain of doing it. Yeah, nice. That's exactly like it. That. That's perfect. Damn, that's insightful. Damn it, <laughs> that's insightful. <laughs> I actually do have a YouTube full of advice. So hey, there we go. Uh, let's see. John Redson says, hey, everybody, what is your longest streak playing the same game? I just passed day 200 logging into Octopath Traveler Champions of the Continent, and I can't stop now. That's what the is mobile that? game, huh? Oh, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, which I actually hear people seem to like. Well, I really wrote it off immediately. But. Like John here, he says, P.S., it's actually a pretty good RPG. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, Longest streak. Leo, is it Red Dead Online? Yeah, if we're talking every day, my highest daily streak was like early 200s for Red Dead Online. Jeez, that's impressive. But yeah, I've been playing Hitman every week at least for about a year and a half now. Oh, my That's got to be up there. That's up there. That counts. Anybody else got one that's impressive? Wordle. <laughs> Wordle? Yeah, I don't even know Wordle what the streak was, one. but yeah. that was probably Animal Crossing. I'm sure I was yeah. at a daily point at some point, but I wasn't keeping track of the days. Um, and then the other, you know, again, it's not a daily, but I always wonder like, oh, I wonder when the last time I'll play like this one game that I'm always replaying. Like I always replay, um, uh, Jack one a lot. So I'm like, I feel like that's the game I've been playing for like 20 years. Truly. Were you actively time. thinking this last time you played Jack two, you were like, this is the last time. <laughs> no. Cause I thought of that. I thought had that thought in college, which was the red flag. Cause when I beat it in college, I'm like, you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to do this again. And then I went back and I was like, ah, oh, this is so much hard. I thought it'd be better. I thought it'd be better because I thought I was better. But it turns out the game was the problem all along. Yeah. It might be Halo 2 for me. Ooh, Maybe. interesting. Like peak yeah. multiplayer online, just going to it every day. That's yeah. good. Yeah. All right. I guess it just depends. Like, what do you consider a streak? Is like, yeah. Still, you know, like, yeah. Where, where do, where's the parameters on when it ends? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like Janet and I are on the same page with a lot of the stuff. Where where do you, where, where do you put the parameters on that, right? Yeah, so, who knows? I mean, I uh, I played Star Wars Galaxies from the day that it launched until the day that Sony murdered it. Oh, um, really? So, you know, yeah. What, what, uh, what was your class? Uh, I I was hardcore bounty hunter, and uh, I felt, so my tragic tale of Star Wars Galaxies was I was, a, I was a huge bounty hunter, loved hunting, loved Jedi killing was really really fun they announced the new new game enhancement was coming in which was going to murder the game we all saw it coming uh so then i hustled my ass to try to get jedi on that character and it took 
hours to get that achievement. You had to, to grind like unbelievable and put in the hours. And I got to the point where it was the server went down 15 minutes before I was at the maximum experience. That's to get amazing. Oh, no. 15 minutes. <laughs> it was horrifying. Yeah. Oh, God. So, no, I mean, no, I'd say as far as like games played, like Ultima Online or Star Wars Galaxy or World of Warcraft, probably my longest streak, but it's like. Yeah, what do you consider a streak? According according to uh to Steam, I've got like, you know, twelve hundred hours into Rocket League, but that's you know over the course of what, six almost has the Rocket League been out now? Eight years? Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, sounds about uh, right. Ish. Yeah. Uh Joe Garifo writes in and says, How to mean Max? Uh, I took the kids to see the Mario movie, and during it they exclaimed, Mario is playing the old timey Nintendo. Are old timey and retro the same thing? Or is retro based on generations or major changes where old timey is based on time that's passed? Also, I hope this comment didn't hurt you as much as it hurt me. It's okay, Joe. We, we all... I feel like I feel like old timey is outside of your life. So, yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So retro is retro anything... is something you enjoyed when you were young. Doesn't retro imply cool though? Yeah. I feel like it has a I think also retro maybe has i don't think it needs to be something you enjoyed in your life but i think it could be something that you have um i wouldn't say a memory of but like you that's still relevant today so like i think vinyl is very much like a retro thing like i wasn't around when vinyl was like popping off because we were already onto cds maybe the end of cassettes but i still have vinyl and i like kind of could see that being i wouldn't call that old timey the way i would call like a like a, I don't even know what they're called, but you know the thing with the the opening? It looks like a flower at the top. The like, gramophone? Yeah, like that's old-timey, you know? But yeah. I wouldn't say a vinyl <laughs> or a record player is old-timey, even though it's outside of my lived time. Is it just a retro penny-farthing bicycle? <laughs> <laughs> well, like those it, bikes with a big wheel in the front. That's yeah. old-timey. Is it, yeah, is there something? I like the distinction of if it's in your life, but also is it like... If it's old and you didn't like it, it's old timey. And if it's old and you did like it, then it's retro. Or if it's like, if it's cool <laughs> now, it's retro. It's like, is it just kind of a qualitative thing? Maybe old timey is like, it's just completely out of use at this point. It's a museum esque. Like, mm, yeah. yeah. It's like, wouldn't like even be vinyl, in an attic. It'd be like mm, in a museum. Because the vinyl, they're still pressing the records and you're buying the records. Right, right. Yeah. Old timey to me just feels like, I don't know, retro, old timey. It's, it's like, um, this was about a year ago. Uh, one of my best friends uh, came over. She's got two kids, and one of her kids, who is an 11-year-old, uh, bopped over with her one day when we were exchanging some food uh, that was going to go bad in her house, brought it over to me, and the kid's like, you know, here's this bread. Mom wanted me to give it to you. Hey, thanks. And then he here's my Alexa playing in the background, and he's like, oh, wow, I love that Justin Bieber classical music is so good. And I'm like, Weird. Get, get out of my house. Get out. Uh, Kyle, what a weird the- sentence. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like so many parts of that. Yeah. It's very Mad Libs like. Out of the mouse of 11 year olds. That's right. I think that's it. Yeah. Kyle, did you see the Mario movie yet? Or forget when you were seeing it? Uh, tonight. Okay. At the time of this recording is okay. the plan. We'll see. I'm very then- curious. Uh, yeah, are you, are we, you going with your family or are you going going stag? What's the situation there? <laughs> yeah, can I come with, with you? 
<laughs> I'm going by myself. That'd be funny. Uh, yeah, by the way, if you're curious about our thoughts, we recorded a huge episode of Max Spoilers. It's on our YouTube channel from Max or in the bonus podcast feed where we had what, seven where people Leo on it. Leo adopted the entirety of the You saw audience? the clip. That's right. I, yeah. He <laughs> does my that. better judgment. I was like, I, know, I don't want any spoilers, but I imagine this clip won't have any spoilers. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right. Uh, Andy Wera writes in, good general question, saying, what are some relatively lesser known indie games from recent years that you wish more people played? I recently got a short hike on Steam Deck and I've had a blast playing it. You should check out Little oh, yeah. Gator Game if you like a short hike. Uh, they're very much sister games in my mind. but Yeah. Uh, lesser known indie games. What, what jumps to mind if you got one to, to pull from here? Uh, as featured in the recent Shazam film, Iconoclasts. What? It's in Shazam? Oh. Yeah, one of the character, one of the kids is wearing an Iconoclast t-shirt. Oh, because wasn't there some mm. connection with the creator's brother or something like that? Yeah, the creator's brother is the director of both Shazam movies. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird. Iconoclast? Yeah, but I love All Iconoclast, right. and I wish more people played. play it. All right. Take a shot, everybody. Kyle mentioned Iconoclast. Um, I played one not long ago that was called The Fermi Paradox. Uh, really fun mm. like uh, sim game where you get to play the, quote, galactic gardener and raise up uh, different civilizations in different universes and control them by via decision. So, like, for example, one... Uh, class who was raising themselves up on a sand world discovered that if you pour sand into the gills of these fish-like creatures that it makes them confess to doing crimes and my, my job was like being like please don't sandboard please don't, don't do and then you tell them no and then they'd be like i we going to do it anyway be like okay please don't and so it was it was 35 minutes of me arguing with this organ this uh civilization not to do sandboarding it was great it was, it was that's fantastic. amazing Fermi Paradox. Yeah, that looks awesome. Yeah. How do you spell it? F E R M I Paradox. Um, this yeah, is one I, I mentioned it before. It came out uh, last year and I played it over the winter break and it would have been pretty high on my uh, top 10 list if I played it before. But Dome Keeper that came out yeah. last year, I, I'm such a sucker for that simple formula. I was like, okay, protect your base. It's tower defense esque, but then you're also mining to get the resources to upgrade the laser as these waves of enemies are coming. But uh, just recently, somebody on um, in Party Chat, our bonus podcast, they're talking about a game called Wall World um, that, strangely enough, is a spiritual successor to Dome Keeper, which just came out last year. So like, I don't know how quickly they turn on this wall world, different craters, obviously, but it feels very similar. But instead of the Dome Keeper, which is all like vertical wall world, you control a giant mechanical spider uh, along a wall and it's all vertical then. And you like dock the robot spider and then go mining into the wall to collect resources. But the cool thing is then you can come back out to the spider as you're, fighting off waves of enemies and all that stuff and then actually move the spider to go find new mining spots and stuff like that so uh it seems good it's one of those things where i started up i'm like this is such a ripoff of dome keeper and it doesn't look as good and then after a little while i'm like yeah but that formula is so satisfying it's perfect for steam deck that wall world um, yeah, that spider sorry <laughs> that's fair um, for me, it's Signs of the Sojourner. I was trying to think of one that I don't hear about as often. Hmm. This came out in 2020. It is a narrative card game about relationships and making connections with people. It has a um, road trip element, a calendar element. It's kind of it's very narrative heavy. So you don't and you don't need to be good at card games at all to play it. It very much is like a simplified. You are using cards to convey like an emotion category, basically. And you're trying to match up like I think what, I forgot the word they use for it. But basically, 
your conversation ends up being like in alignment or not. And it's like how the people respond to you will depend on whether or not you have the right cards and you're creating this. So it's like this emotional deck builder and it's amazing. The art's really striking. It is unlike any other game I've ever played before. And it is fantastic and available, I think, on pretty much everything. Yeah, Switch, PlayStation, Xbox. It's from last gen, but yeah. Yeah, forgot about Uh, it. Signs of the Sojourner is that one. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle, Leo, you got a hot take? I, I've been playing this game called Dismantle lately with a Y, D-Y-S, Mantle. Uh, simple, top-down, uh, zombie apocalypse survival game, uh, but it's local co-op, so I've been playing a lot of it with my mm. partner, and it's Ooh. been really fun, really simple, fun curve of, like, gradually being able to destroy more things and get more resources, going from being able to destroy boxes to sinks to, like, taking down full walls of houses with a baseball bat. Sweet. I like it. Are we allowed to uh, interject our own questions on top of other people's questions? Um, not really. <laughs> we like to keep it as, you know, simple and structured as possible. No, have that. Yeah, I'm doing please. it anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> my that's what we do here. That's right. Yeah, okay. Uh, no, I was, this has made me think, like, about that article that came out. Maybe some of you read it. Uh, came out at the end of last year. It said that uh, 12 years ago, Steam introduced. 300 new games per year and at today's date it's 300 new games per week my my thought on that article was just like i mean again as a part-time streamer and just a gamer in general like at this point how you talk about chat gbt and and cool uses we could think of like build me a chat gbt that tells me what games will actually like like how are you supposed (laughs) to even sift through the amount of games that are coming out anymore yeah, and Steam is trying, I guess, to recommend you stuff, but it's still pretty broad. It's tough to you. God, it feels like that's got to be coming within the next year, right? Of somebody making just a tailor-made program for exactly your taste in games. Ugh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Steam tries to do that, but is not trying very hard. No, it's just like I don't know. You like survival games? Here's another one. It's like, okay, got it. I mean, yeah. the um, I just think not to be like pluggy. I, I didn't make this thing. It's so not like I have any stake in it. But the folks behind Eon Gaming made a platform that's kind of trying to do that. It's called uh, CritRate.io, and it sorts you into like a like a gaming house based on your <laughs> gaming personality, and then okay. you like get you put your review stuff like a thumbs up, thumbs down, pass, or whatever kind of thing on games, and then it tells you like your house likes these games and like, and then it, like what uh-huh. your house is like playing or looking forward to. So it's their attempt to do that still in its early stages. But I thought yeah. it was kind of a novel look at those kind of church platforms for like gaming companions. Like we have like a lot of different logging and tracking things, but not something that's so, I don't know, weirdly like, um, what is that a personality test called where it's like, myers-briggs it's like myers-briggs for gaming basically. right right weird that's a fun idea it also i don't know it has a weird tribalism aspect of like okay our house is like this there'd be like a weird point of pride for like having a name for your taste like it's weird i think that's kind of cool like it's, i'm a big fan of categorizations and online quizzes yeah. as any millennial is you know um mm-hmm. so frankly i thought it was pretty fun and i thought it was fairly accurate in what it gave me back um versus like my boyfriend isaiah and things like that so okay. we'll see if it how that accuracy remains because we both have really broad taste too. Yeah. So I'm curious to see like how it evolves or how accurate it ends up being, or can it, can it give me like a deep cut rack and then I'll, you know, it'll fit. I don't know. That's still pretty early, but I thought it was cool. Yeah. What's yeah. the name of that again? Um, crit rate. Crit rate. Uh, Garrett Wainstock wrote in, 
And they said, recently I came across a video where someone bought and destroyed a perfectly functional Pac-Man arcade machine. My immediate response was disgust, but then I thought, this is no different than somebody hoarding that machine in a personal collection. Only a single person slash family gets to enjoy the machine in either situation. Uh, I don't think I would feel comfortable having a personal arcade or pinball machine, even if I refurbished it myself. An arcade machine is like a theme park to me. I hear that truck, Janet. I hear that truck. Uh, is it just an issue of having no place for these cabinets? Uh, so, like, where else are they going to go besides someone house? someone's house? Is it, je- is it just jealousy? I considered comparing the concept against the idea of owning a game system, but that experience can easily be replicated by others via emulation. I dislike the concept of owning more property than one reasonably needs, and this seemed like a pretty explicit example of it. Still, I don't hold this opinion strongly. I would love to hear others' thoughts on the idea of hoarding arcade cabinets i garrett this came at the perfect time of my life because literally last week um a friend texted me and he's like hey i found they have a sunset riders arcade cabinet going for one dollar or your best offer um and it's like not too far away from minneapolis and I made a whole video about how much I love Sunset Riders and that arcade cabinet meant a lot to me. And it's like, God, if I ever bought anything, it would be that Sunset Riders arcade cabinet. Um, and so I reached out to try and get a feel for where they're at. And actually, we're a little mischievous where I had a friend reached out to give his offer just to see, like, how flexible is this guy going to be? Because this thing is worth, like, $3,000, you know? So it's like, does he just want to get rid of it? And so my friend found out that this guy, he's like, if you, if you offer me $800, it's yours. And it totally works. And it was a real like moment in my life, a real dividing line of like, my wife was confused, but very sweet for me. Like, if you want it, sure, go for it, you know? But it's just this moment of like pure nostalgia. It's completely impractical. It's going to weigh three tons. It's $800 for a game I can already play anywhere I want to essentially. And it's just this moment of like, you know what? I'm going to let that childhood die. I'm going to say goodbye and not get my dream what? arcade cabinet Boo. for $800. That would have been a great, for your background, come on. You would have had cool. a Sunset Riders Yeah, machine? it's a tax write-off. Well, this yeah, is, yeah, this, this is, is the... for your company. This is yeah. for your livelihood. Okay, well, interesting, business. interesting, everybody. That was the gross part of like, if I use MinMax money and I made a video about refurbishing it, then it would totally be legit. But it's like, no, that feels gross. That feels gross. I can't, I can't. Why? Your, I mean, you can, or your whole career is gross by that logic. Like, I do. It's about passion. And if this yeah. is something you're passionate about. Right. But I'm not, pa- I don't know. I think I'm at a point in my life the of like... story sucks, Ben. I know it does. I'm letting everybody <laughs> down. But change the ending. The only person I can have yeah, my side is awful. Maybe Leo would be with me of that idea of like, you know, it, having a bunch of crap, even if it's nostalgic crap, like I think I'm at a point in my life I'm just like, I don't really want We're talking a, about one crap though, not a bunch of crap. I, I don't want yeah, a one large crap. Three ton <laughs> machine for nostalgia. Thank you. Leo, yeah, will you back I me mean, up? not not everything you might like will spark enough joy for it to be worth keeping around. Certainly a, a three ton arcade cabinet. Thank you. <laughs> I heard it. I heard like, how he told the story, though. That's my beef. If he was like, you know, then I was thinking, do I want this giant thing? I don't. Then I would be like, oh, yeah, sure. But he was like, I thought about, you know, mm-hmm. my love and my passion for it. <laughs> and then I just said no. Yeah. I, I said to forget my dreams. That's why I wasn't on board the story. I, no, why I, didn't you bring this up during the fear of commitment question? <laughs> yeah. I know. It was the conclusion is I realized, you know. I have a deeper love and passion for simplifying my life. Um, and it's for having yeah. a three foot by three foot square. Yeah. Right. For the right. record, I probably wouldn't get an arcade cabinet either. They are a kajillion <laughs> pounds and I'm not going to do all that work. Yeah. But I don't I have a strong. Yeah. Like, the only arcade thing I really want that I would 
do anything to have um and ha- i would need a house probably for this because and then i would need a, it's a lot i want that luigi's mansion arcade cabinet i would <laughs> that what? thing of all the that, games yeah yeah are you kidding have no, you it's ever cool. played it i have it's cool it's cool the vacuum one it's yep. very cool excuse you you feel the coins going to the mach- into the thing you are luigi yeah. get out of here it's good get, get it's this good. guy out of here all right that's fair uh, Mike Spam writes in and they say, in light of the news that Dreams is being uh, shut down, not updated is a better way to put it, uh, social features being removed per user storage capacity decreased. Do you think there are any lessons we can learn from Media Molecule's Dreams' failure to take off? Also, everyone should check out Lock, which is the best original game on the Dreams platform. Eh, I'll be damned. Um, failure is too strong a word, I wonder. Yeah, so it's a thing of like, you can still buy it, but they're just come September, I think it was. They're going to stop updating Dreams, which is a bummer. As a big, we're a big Dreams champion kind of outlet here at MinMax. Um, but it's, it, I think the kicker is just the feeling that uh, now it's for sure not going to come to PC. Because in that post, they also said Media Molecule is moving on to their next game, and like I'd imagine that'd be a complicated one for anybody else to port to PC. So what if that was the next project? <laughs> that would be so complicated. <laughs> Uh, um, no, that is. A, I didn't even think about that side of it, but yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, but are there any lessons after a couple of years of dreams from Media Molecule that the industry can learn? I think you need to give people something to do with what they make in it for it to be really compelling. Hmm. The fact that it felt like kind of a dead end for your creative outputs rather than a launching pad, I think, made it hard to get excited about. Yeah. As much as I loved it and thought it was super cool. I mean, that's a frustrating thing it was because like visiting Media Molecule, the conversations were very much like we want this to be a platform and we would really love for people to be able to sell games separately. Like if you build a game in Dreams, you can sell it separately on the PlayStation Store, maybe under a different banner or something like that, and then make a little bit of that profit. And then Sony gets a little bit of that profit naturally. And so just that lack of kind of and I was hoping maybe for PC that would really kick in. Um, and they said at the time, I need to look into this, but they said at the time that there is a game in VR that was being developed in Dreams from like a third-party developer. And I don't know mm. if that ever released or how that even technologically could work, but that dead-end feeling is something I totally get. And also it's just like, you know, they wanted it to be the super accessible engine, but, you know, with Unreal in particular, just moving so quickly and iterating so quickly that even like friends of mine who want to get into game development, it's like, well, I could pour a lot of time into Dreams, but... Why would I when <laughs> Unreal yeah, is free I mean, and is so much more potentially beneficial for the rest of my life? Is it like yeah. almost too versatile, right? Because mm. you're right. It's like if you really wanted to dig into Dreams, you would probably be better off like just diving into Unity or Unreal, right? Right. Where if you scale it back a bit to like the Mario Maker Zone or the Little Big Planet Zone. Or the Meet Your Maker cut, Zone. Or the Meet Your Maker Zone. Yeah, like maybe that's the better approach. But that's all just me making assumptions, you know? Yeah. Mario Maker is such a tough example to point to because it's like, it's Mario. You know, it's like, you can't... The, the, the Nintendo's other game creation game that they released, like, did nothing, you know? It game really Maker just, Garage? Game Builder game Garage? Game Builder Garage. Yeah, yeah. It came and went, like... I got it as a gift away, once. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then my boyfriend called me out because I had never... Oh, he got it for me, and he's like, uh, you never you never played it, have you? No. Oh my god, it's not even opened. And I'm like, look, I got a lot of games to play. I, mean, I never got through the tutorials. I was interested in it. I can't be so making more games kids. than I have to play. It was kind of poorly like marketed in the US because it didn't have yeah, exactly. It did it was really meant more for like children 
than for like being their dreams. But anyway, um, yeah. I think too, like adding on to what y'all said about the complexity aspect of it, as much as like I hate to be that guy, I do think there is truth to it never also coming to like PlayStation Plus in any way or having just some type of is free, that right? God, that's free crazy. version. And then that also combined with, despite the fact that I think there is a lot of attempt at creating curation and creating highlights through things like the MPs, through things like even when you boot yep. it up, it, I still feel like I have, as someone that likes dreams and has played a lot of great things in dreams because I have been judging the MPs like alongside yeah. like, Gress and uh, Gress, Greg and Blessing for like a year or two. Um, I'll tell people about, you know, games like or games like whatever that are incredible that I play. And they're like, yeah, but like they just don't really care. Yep. It's been hard to get people to care about the fact that, no, I played this thing and it's amazing and you got to check it out. And it's worth it alone. They're like, yeah, but yep. Yep. whatever. I, and I, I feel like everyone struggled doing that at scale. And and it feels maybe cynical to say, like, it has to have a way for you to make money off of it or a way to turn it into something bigger than just the joy of creating itself. But I think what it maybe really needed was, like, I, I wish when I dove into those tutorials to make something in Dreams, I felt like it was surprisingly easy. And it, yeah, and it's really And it yeah. was just really hard. It was like, this is a big learning curve. It's not really the joy of creating the way, like, Meet Your Maker, the way smaller tool set lets you get started immediately. Yeah. Uh, Luca Resigno, Resigno. They say this is more of a challenge than a game. Uh, Steven, do you like trivia? Uh, I hate it. Great. Well, then buckle <laughs> up. Here we go. You came to the right place. That's right. I, right. I went, <laughs> Luca says I went to Metacritic and looked up the highest rated games of all time by user score. Oh, I, oh that's, the, that's the wrench in and it. Lucas says I would be shocked if you could guess more than one game on this list. <laughs> uh, they say sorting by critic score gives you a much more predictable list, of course. Of course. Yeah. But top Hello 10. Kitty, New Island Adventure. Hang on. Do I see it? I don't see it. I'm sorry. Uh, um, I can give you hints, but does anybody else have any random guesses? You, there's no universe. Okay. There's no so, universe. Like the top list? Try and guess li- how many are on your list? Ten, 10. We got the top 10. 10. Oh. Top 10 user. Okay. Hatred. <laughs> no hatred. It must be. Is anyone be. here like a PC weirdo? Who like knows what that community's uh, latching on to no, heavily? No PC games. Like really? I say, all console oh. stuff. Terraria? Wow. Oh, that's well. No. I was, trying to think, I was trying to think of a beloved game that like critically was just sort of ignored. But Kyle, you know, like critics. I will I will count this for you ten percent because there's a Wii U game called Tengami, which I've never heard of. Uh so that's well, of course on there. I, I don't want the hints yet, but let me ask yep. you this. Yes. Do we have we talked about any of these games? Great question. Great question. Like kind of generally, we have covered one mentioned at some point on the Minmex Show podcast. Okay. One, two, three, four, five of these games. Okay, <laughs> that's not bad. <laughs> Minecraft? No, I'm sorry, no Minecraft. I Roblox. think Tengami can nope. only be purchased with like Nintendo points. Like I don't think you can even buy it. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> oh my god! All right, okay, let, we got to get some hints. Uh, yeah, I think it's hint time. Okay, uh, number. 10 is a game that I think it was a Wii U title that recently was ported to Switch. I do believe. Lego City Undercover? Nope. It is a sequel to a horror franchise that is beloved. Um, number, oh, do you want us to like say yeah, our name or just, something? Just, just uh, shout it out. Fatal Frame? Yes. Maiden of Blackwater on Switch, okay. apparently. Uh, n- next one up. This is a game. Why that game? <laughs> I don't know, Kyle. You're going to be asking yourself that a lot. 
Uh, next one is a game that is good, but everybody dings it for being not as good as the game that came just before it. And in fact, we just talked about this recently on the podcast. It was also remade, and this reignited that entire debate. This is the original version of that game, which is a PlayStation 1 game. Resident Evil 2? No, Resident Evil 3. Three? There we go. Resident Evil 3 for the PS1, of course, is on that list. Um, then there's a game called Metal Torrent for the DS. I don't know. Uh, okay. Next one, Xbox 360 game. Kyle, I believe Shinji Mikami worked on it. Vanquish? <laughs> yes, yeah. Vanquish. There we go, of oh, course. Bank- oh, okay. Wow, could, okay. Yeah. These uh, are like niche enough that yes. if, you, if you seek it out, you love what it is. Is that That's, kind of the I theme? I think it might be. Vanquish is the first one that I kind of get. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. There's a game called Crystar on PS4 that I've never heard of in my life, um, but that's on there. Um, also, Leo, I don't mean to alarm you, but um, Metal Torrent is a uh, is a like a shooter, a bullet hell shooter. So you've alarmed me. <laughs> Weren't you talking about how you didn't you hate, didn't want to play those co op? Right? <laughs> yeah, I'll steer clear of this. Yeah, one. He's scared. Just relax, <laughs> just relax, please. Okay, next one is. A first-person puzzle game, but not the one that you'd think. And it's not... The 1996 so, classic, Dr. Mario's Pill Pusher. What was that game called? Where <laughs> the pills, the Tetris. Do I yeah, see Dr. Mario's Pill Pusher? I do not. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. right. Dr. Wait, Mario's opioid um, epidemic. <laughs> first-person puzzle? First-person puzzle Puzzle's game. Fever. It's not the one that all the smart people like. It must be a different oh, one. Um, I think you're kind of smart if you like this. I, I liked it, and Kyle wanted to like it probably more than he did. Maquette? <laughs> no, but very, very close. We just talked oh, about it. Oh, Superliminal. Superliminal, correct, uh, on Switch. Okay, now I'm talking about that one that it's like, oh, you got to be smart, and Jonathan Blow's thing, you know? Oh, Witness? witness? Yeah. <laughs> you got to be smart, uh, It's game. not The Witness, but it's going to be like <laughs> that, the, okay. the Witness for Normies. Smart. I love Superliminal, and I don't understand what was going on in The Witness. Okay, Superliminal, that was on Switch. Um, next one up. This is a first-person puzzle game that's not the one you think. Um, you have to be smart, but not too smart to enjoy it. So uh, it's not The Witness, it's not Maquette. What's the, what's the Witness parody? What is that one called? The Looker? The Looker. Oh, no. Stanley Parable? No, come on. this was super liminal on Xbox One. Um, that's the next one. Is it come Color on, Cube? It? Cube yeah. with a Q? Uh, no, Kyle, it's super little on Xbox Hubert? One. I'm serious. No, it's, Hubert, yeah, oh, it's not, it's not Qbert. Sorry, there's no Qbert on here. I thought you were saying it's like super liminal on it. No, it was just literally that. Um, okay. Uh, oh, but I'm glad your mind was going places, Kyle. Okay, next one. This is a game that was remade. When people talk about the greatest remakes of all time, this is top three. A lot Wind of Waker HD. No, a lot of people put it at number one. It's a it's a retro remake of a retro game at this point. Old timey, I should say. Super Mario All-Stars. No. Interesting though. Um it's in the same series as another game on this list. That we've said already? Yep. Oh, so Resident Evil is it Resident Evil um one on the GameCube? Correct. There we go, Janet. <laughs> oh, uh, we I, found my people. Yeah, yeah this oh. one's too obvious. We don't get this one too quickly, but uh number two is ZHP Unlosing Ranger versus Dark Death Evil Man on PS2. I mean Easily yeah, two. everybody can number show their two? tattoos of that. Darkwing Duck, got it, yeah. <laughs> All right. By the way, this is like good um new show plus fodder, like playing the best. Oh my uh, god. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> 
unlosing ranger versus dark death even okay looks, number one like Gaia kind of number one this is a game that capcom finally announced they're bringing to the switch and there was much rejoicing mega man battle network close but not quite much rejoicing mega man battle network 2 no um three this Four. is a game that was released on the <laughs> DS. Stop him. <laughs> um, the DS ones. I'd imagine it was a big hit in your house, Kyle. Um, it's an adventure game, technically. Got a lot of heart, even if it none of the characters do because they're dead. Grim Fandango. <laughs> no Capcom. <laughs> oh, it was, Capcom! Right. It was released on iOS as well. Resident Evil Four. <laughs> No, Ghost Trick Phantom Detective, everybody. Ghost Trick Phantom Detective. Oh, yeah. Number one user reviewed game of all time. My kid played it kind of recently. Oh, really? There we go. Uh, there we go. Uh, congratulations, Luca. Thank you for stumping everybody with a very weird game of trivia. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, Steven, we need to choose our favorite question. Uh, they win question of the week and they win a big prize from I'm 8-Bit. They win Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion on vinyl. Is there a question that stood out to you as number one? I like the AI question. AI question? Okay. Yeah, that's good. You put my name in it, so therefore you win. Go. Oh, diabolical. Nice. Yeah, All right. Pander to me, yes. Congratulations, Jared <laughs> Meyer. You just won another vinyl. Look, I don't know if anyone's picking up on this. Jared Meyer is slaying. Jared Meyer has won like 10 prizes no. for my <laughs> But look, hey, you got to go with it. Congratulations, Jared. Uh, now it's time for something. He's just loaded. He, he's selling these on eBay. He's not even listening to any of the vinyls. Yeah, he's got like a lemonade stand, but he's just selling uh, vinyls. Uh, okay, it's time for something that we call Get a Load of This. Tidbits, little things, um, fun facts. Uh, I'll kick it off here, everybody. Uh, hey, uh, get a load of this. I understand this is exactly my Venn diagram of interest, so I apologize. But I was listening to the behind-the-scenes podcast about Survivor, which is surprisingly good. Um, but the head of the art department on Survivor worked on the Star Wars prequels, and he worked closely with George Lucas on Attack of the Clones specifically, to the point that George is like, how about you put on some clothes and you can be in the film? And so technically, the head of the art department on Survivor is Kit Fisto from Star Wars. He got to play Kit Fisto, but he was just an artist that George is like, go ahead. You're Kit now. So fun cross-pollination there. This is a good George Lucas. Hey, thanks, man. Uh, Leo, you got one? I get a lot of this. My dear friend, Mini Pete, released a video game. Mini that Pete? I'm too biased to talk about in a regular place on this podcast. <laughs> nice. <laughs> It's called Melon Journey, Bittersweet Memories. It's out on absolutely everything, Switch, Steam, and uh, consoles. It's a really cute like Game Boy throwback adventure game. Super simple adventure puzzles, really cozy vibe, great music, great pixel art. Check it out. Sweet. Melon Journey. Melon Journey. Awesome. Uh, Janet, you got one? Oh my god, wait, I think I've seen this game before. The Melon Journey one. Okay, anyway, I have to look into this later. I'm very excited. Okay. Um, and I don't, I don't care about Leo's friends, so this is just all genuine. Uh-huh. I don't know who this person is. I genuinely uh, Anyway, get a load of this. Um, uh, my thing is a little wordy. If you like Wordle, which I also mentioned earlier today, this is an awesome, uh, I guess, would you, is it a board game if you don't really have like a set of card game? I don't know what this is. It's a game. Board game, card game, whatever. It's by the Exploding Kittens people. Mm. Um, and mm. it, or like published by Exploding Kittens. And essentially, you, it's Wordle, but you come up with a word yourself. 
and then you Theory. have to like buy clues like you're trying to guess the other person's word and you like buy clues and then it's like whoever has the most tokens after they like guess correctly wins so like the clues will be stuff like oh how many let like you get eight tiles to make your word it's like how many letters are in your word or like funkier ones like you what does your word rhyme with but it's also a really expensive clue to buy so it's kind of a push and pull between like guessing and when if you guess and you guess wrong like they get two of the little top like berries and again it's how many berries you have at the end um not the cleanest explanation but the thing i'll link below will be a cleaner explanation (laughs) it's a super fun game it's super fast two players 15 minutes only 15 bucks Love it. i played it i loved it i think it hits that sweet spot between people that are really into word games and people that maybe are a little bit more intimidated by you know you don't want you don't want to duke it out in scrabble or bananagrams this is a nice safe space for those two people to like hang out and play yeah. against each what's other. it called again a little wordy a little wordy like it uh kyle you got one yeah hey below this uh variety has this article from the sort of talking to the directors of the original super mario brothers oh movie, yeah the 80s one which is fun uh, which they've talked about it a lot and the, you know that movie has been weirdly uh analyzed in great detail um so maybe this was known i had never heard this but anyway nice article they also talk about how quentin tarantino had like uh showed it recently and yeah. that got, sort of gave them this new found appreciation for it like they finally got to embrace the sort of cult classic nature of the movie yeah but they said that the thing that caught my eye was there was an alternate ending that i guess they shot but didn't end up getting used of that original movie where um says here after Mario and Luigi completed their crazy adventure in Dino Hatton, two executives <laughs> from Nintendo turn up at the Mario Brothers apartment in Brooklyn and they want to hear their story because it's on the news and they're making a video game, uh, one of the directors says. <laughs> it explains the reason why the film doesn't literally follow the story in the game. It got lost in translation. The Mario Brothers told Nintendo executives a story and it was misinterpreted. The film was meant to represent the actual story. So <laughs> that's I guess the original idea was it was supposed to be a prequel. Right, and then the video game resulted. Right. And of like just seeing Miyamoto like trying to write it all down, but he can't write it down right. in time, so he's just like getting parts wrong. Like, uh-huh, they uh-huh, also uh-huh. in the interview they were kind of they, he built it a little bit of like this would have this might have saved the movie, and I was like, eh. it's, it would have been <laughs> interesting. I, I think I'd like to see it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Stephen, do you have something? Sorry to put you on the spot here. No, you absolutely did not. I I have been enamored <laughs> with the. Uh, Moana live action remake oh, idea. Like, so weird. Man, Disney and their desire to keep making everything live action. I, I, and the no, weird thing is, I'm mentioning it not because I love it, because I'm confused by it. Like, I don't, I don't understand why we're turning around animated movies from 25 years ago and also two years ago. I, it, like, yeah. is, is there any rhyme or reason? Money is a rhyme uh, or reason. Money. It's just, oh, yeah. yeah. But it's like that gross thing of like, it feels like that it's the new equivalent of like the 3D conversion for like putting a movie back in mm. theaters for there's that, you know, five year span where they would do that for some old stuff like Jurassic Park back in theaters. But now it's just like, I don't know, the word Moana is back in theaters and I guess it's a different worse version, but please enjoy. But as, as a big fan of Moana, I'm like, I just, I don't know how you get like another kid who can sing that. <laughs> like, cause the actress is I'd have to imagine too old at this point, but she's so good in that movie. I don't know. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be weird. The more I see about little mermaid, the more like seeing the Mari movie and seeing the little mermaid trailer beforehand, like there were gasps in the audience when Sebastian was on screen for like, you just went for like a realistic looking crab. It's horrific. It's not what we want from our buddy. 
Uh, get a lot of this uh, from the community in the Discord, which you get access to if you support us on Patreon. Eric in the Discord uh, shared this tweet where they said, uh, somebody said, I just made a mind-blowing discovery about the banana sound effect in the Donkey Kong Country Returns and Tropical Freeze games. Kyle, have you I'm seen insane. this? No, this okay. I'm fascinated already. Okay, well, here we go. <laughs> Hang on, let me let me really make sure it's right. Okay, so playing this clip, this is collecting a banana, and then they might be slowing it down. And then it just cuts the eye. It's just the shell noise from the original Mario, apparently, but just sped up, and that's the banana. So, fun facts, everybody. There's links below for all the stuff that we mentioned there. Uh, But hey, that's it for this episode of the Min Max Show podcast. Uh, Steven, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Yeah. one more plug, anything you want. Uh, Where do you want to point people? Yeah, if you go to pizzahut.com, you can get some of the best pizza (laughs) uh, you ever imagined. yeah, if you you know uh, the reason I came here today is largely to talk about able gamers and how great that call is going to be. I hope that everyone listening out there who's interested in this kind of thing, if you want to meet some of your favorite streaming celebrities or content creators, if you want to le- meet people from the industry, come by the event on April twenty second, four p.m. Eastern until midnight or so. Uh, you know, headliner being uh, Brian Weck from Ninja Sex Party and uh, DJ Nye, uh, going to be all night long with all kinds of fun. You can do a twenty-five dollar donation to the charity to get your butt into the door and meet all kinds of cool people, or you can even buy a gala in a box, which is uh, imagine a giant swag kit that comes to your house, but instead of stuff that you throw away, it's like twelve hundred dollars worth of Logitech stuff. It's like only 300 bucks. It's pretty great. That's sweet. All right, there's a link in the description for all uh, this stuff, but that's great. Uh, thank you to everybody for watching and listening, all that fun stuff. Uh, just a reminder, we do have Trivia Tower coming up on Monday, April 17th at 8 p.m. Central. We're going up against uh, the entire Nextlander community. Brad Shoemaker is going to join us on this episode. So we need your help to bring down those those cocky fools over there. They think they know everything about game trivia, but we can prove that we know more. Easy Allies are the only other community to defeat us. We crushed Giant Bomb. We crushed Kind of Funny. Uh, we crushed everybody else we've gone up against. So we need your help. If you jump in at that $2 tier uh, on Patreon, you can compete in game trivia. People go out to bar trivia all the time. They spend like 30 bucks on beer and fries and stuff. And they barely ask questions about video games. This is all video game stuff. For 2 bucks, you can jump in there and compete. So we'd love to have you there Monday, April 17th jump in there because also you can help us hit our goal. We are currently 25 new supporters away on Patreon. 25 people from hitting our goal and finally making a documentary about everybody's pets here at MinMax. <laughs> We're going to give them their favorite treat. Uh, just record the hell out of them. I want to learn more about Kelsey's bird. All this fun stuff. We were talking stuff. about a trick portion. That's yeah, right. Thinking like uh, the last dance style montage. <laughs> It's going to be great. And we just need 25 more people. That is the beauty of an independent games media outlet like MinMax is 25 people can make the difference. So if you're listening to this, you want to jump in at the $2 tier, help us hit that goal to make that pet documentary and compete in Trivia Tower for great prizes like a freaking Astro E30 headset. We'd love to have you. Also, uh, if you jump in at the $5 tier on Patreon, on Friday, we have a bonus podcast going live. It is another GDC podcast where Jacob Geller and I uh, unpack the panels that we didn't quite talk about in the first bonus GDC to 
discussions. So, you know, ticket to GDC is thousands and thousands of dollars, but I spent the entire week going to as many developer panels as I could and taking thorough notes. And so uh, we share behind the scenes stories on the development of God of War Ragnarok, Horizon, uh, talk about the development of Avowed at Obsidian. Um, and then also, I just love it because uh, Jacob's a, a good sport and a good lad. And uh, don't you forget it. No, but I just love it because it was like it was just a loose, casual conversation with Jacob. Just a fun bonus podcast where we also just talked about media criticism in general and a bunch of other fun topics. And Jacob is interested in developers and development. So it was a fun discussion. Um, also, if you unlock that bonus podcast feed at the $5 tier, you also get Party Chat, which is our bonus podcast each and every week. This week, we talk about Tim Rogers a lot on there. If you love, by the way, going behind the scenes on analytics, uh, content creation, Patreon conversions, all that dorky stuff, which if I was a listener, I'd be really into, believe it or not. Um, That is what this episode of Party Chat was all about this week, where we talk about just comparing different Patreon outlets out there, uh, what we can learn from wonderful folks like Kind of Funny, stuff like that, and just talk about what has worked for us, what hasn't, Future of the Deepest Dive, all that fun stuff. So if you really want to go behind the scenes of content creation, unlock Party Chat in that bonus podcast feed as well. All right. Also, thank you to our biggest supporters. Well, some of our biggest supporters. The Game Champion tier. People jump into the $50 tier on Patreon. They can choose any game under the sun, be declared the champion of it for all time. Jot is the champion of No One Lives Forever. Also from Monolith, developers of uh, Tron 2.0, you might know. Uh, the Sleepy Mailman is the champion of Dance Dance Revolution Mario Mix. Excellent choice. <laughs> uh, Rabid Lime is the champion of Garfield Kart. Furious Racing, who can forget? Uh, Procyon number six is the champion, of course, of Sly 2 Band of Thieves. Excellent choice, everybody. And just a reminder, we are doing a bonus stream because of what won the game championship poll uh, last time around. So this Tuesday, this Tuesday evening, uh, Sarah Pazorski and I believe Ana Diaz and I are going to be streaming Herbs, Sims in the City uh, from the MinMax Studios. You can tune in. We might be doing it on YouTube even, so stay tuned, everybody, for those details. But All right, anybody else got something else they're dying to plug out there? Nobody? Wow. All right, wise words. Appreciate it. Steven, thanks again for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, thanks so much, everybody. See you next week. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. 